On this week's tale of fear and phrenology, the Capone boys find themselves on the cutting edge of horror. Will our heroes get mangled by the gears of progress? Or will they stand athwart history yelling, knock it off, buster? Find out on this week's electrifying episode of Chapo Trap House. Never thought I'd die alone. I had 16 hit points. Who'd have known? Never thought the Dunwich would be so bold. The horror there is very old. Okay, okay, Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) Semper Games. Virgil, Texas. Active duty gamer. Here with you again. If you are new to our Call of Cthulhu episodes, by which I mean, if you are a fake friend, Please stop this recording now and listen to Tabletop Game Theory Episodes 1 through 4, which have been unlocked for you. Alright, welcome back. It is my pleasure to introduce here in studio for the first time my co-author of today's scenario, as well as the preceding ones, Dave Cresses. Yeet. Before we begin this next chapter, one thing must be stated clearly. Absolutely, positively, nothing in this scenario is based on any person, place, or concept living or dead, any overlap between reality and this work of fiction is totally, completely coincidental. Now, without further ado, let us begin. Musks of Nyarlathotep. It is September 11th, 1925. (laughs) Two months have passed since you banished the Slavic warlock infiltrating prominent Republicans, saving the grand old party and preserving America's two-party system. Earlier in the year, you failed to prevent the opening of the Pizzagate, so your record is 1-1 right now. You have since returned to the daily grind of producing your premium radio show, Capone Speakeasy. Starting with Will, go ahead and introduce your characters, and describe what you're doing in the Capone Mansion in Red Hook. Dr. William Hackenbush here. Uh, You might remember me as the um, Professor Emeritus of Phrenology at Miskatonic University in Massachusetts. Uh... In my time away from academia, I host this uh, rather jaunty radio program with my uh, chums at the Capone Speakeasy. I have, uh, over the course of my investigations into the strange and weird, have exposed myself to a rather dangerous amount of the Cthulhu mythos and have driven myself very nearly batty. However, the only thing that counsels me or consoles me, rather, as I sit here in my cavernous mansion in Red Hook, is are the daguerreotypes of my dear, sweet, departed sister, Sonia. I'm, I'm wistfully sort of pawing at as I study her gorgeous and perfect skull. To clarify one thing, in addition to being in mortal danger from physical weapons, the investigators have a sanity meter, which, when it goes to zero, means they're permanently insane and can no longer play. Uh, what's your sanity at, Will? My sanity at right now... I believe it's 21 out of 99. Okay, so that's about how crazy I am right now. Got it. You also acquire, like, insanities as you lose points. And Will has a phobia of modern art 
as like a permanent status effect from the first game we played. Felix? War cracked my eggs. No scramble for Africa. Fuck the potato famine. I got a whole platter. My name is Lieutenant Felix Gumtree. I'm a lying veteran. A horrible... <laughs> a, uh, inventor of white jazz spoken word, which I also suck at, despite being the inventor. Basically, never complete any task I set out to do. Always go off on some bird brain side mission. My sanity right now it is at uh, 34, uh, but luckily I have just completed rehab of three days. Yes, I left early, uh, and I decided that everyone else is the problem. Matt? Dr. Matthew Penny Farthing here. Uh, I was unjustly unlicensed as a surgeon after uh, becoming a little overcome with ether and killing a couple of patients uh, while transplanting goat testicles into their ball sacks in order to increase potency uh, and I am currently working on a bathtub cure for Catholicism <laughs> <laughs> your activities are interrupted by your faithful Portuguese manservant he hands Will a Western Union telegram uh, okay gentlemen it appears we have a, a telegram here I will read it forthwith Capone boys you up stop Salutations from your greatest friend and admirer, Charles Lindbergh. Stop. <laughs> I have spent this past year preparing to assist in a great endeavor by daring industrialist Enoch Musk. Stop. Demonstration of his scientific marvel crowns the World's Fair this weekend in San Francisco. Stop. I am returning now from leave and humbly invite you three to journey with me to the jewel city aboard my trusty aeroplane, the Lindy West. Stop. Downstairs, you hear an engine sputtering and the squeal of airplane tires breaking on asphalt out on your driveway. Well, boys, looks like we're going to San Francisco, the city, the, uh, the city on the bay, and the city with too many Chinamen. They, Not- mu- they must be stopped. The Asiatic <laughs> hordes are coming to America and all immigration from Asia now. Let's not forget the uh, overly licentious sailors from all over the world who come to San Francisco to sate their a-natural lusts. I don't know, dude. Like, I was in the Army like anyone else. Like, you know, when you're in, <laughs> in basic for three weeks, you got to do what you got to do. But I'm not with that sauce shit. Well, the other thing is, I don't think the housing in San Francisco is nearly expensive enough. <laughs> <laughs> DeCrescio ushers in your pal, Charles Lindbergh, heroic, proud aviator. Uh, Lindbergh is a young pilot from Detroit, the son of a congressman. He's an avid fan of your radio show. You really hit it off with him last year on your Midwest tour when he smoked you up with his personal stash of opium and flew you around Lake Huron for, like, hours. <laughs> yo, yo, Charles, what's up? We're going to smoke on that Otto von Bismarck? Capone, boys, good to see you again. <laughs> You're all looking well. A uh, bit, of, bit of a vacancy in your eyes there, William. Well, Charlie, uh, let's just say I've been getting up in the air a different way. As my soul travels outside my body and seemingly slips away into the uh, inky and infinite abyss of which is filled with unspeakable uh, beings of a yeah. different dimension. Yeah, and for me, man, I just can't like stop forgetting what I saw. Like um, the book uh, Johnny Got His Gun was actually based on me. <laughs> <laughs> I was lucky they put my arms and legs and eyes back on. I got new ones. Um, I didn't need a new dick, dude. Fucking trust me on that. Bully to hear it. So you got my telegram. You coming? I mean, what else are we doing? (sighs) 
Oh, brother, here we go again. <laughs> As you walk out the front door, Decrescio slowly comes after you, lugging a very heavy suitcase. Yes, sirs? Sirs? Decrecio, what is it? Oh, no, you forgot your recorder, Olas. Uh, he opens it up. It's your uh, portable uh, <laughs> radio recording device. Oh, uh, dude, the fucking pigs can go one week without one of our programs i mean uh, I we're already know. we're already fucking done with that microbial shirtwaist ad i mean whenever you're late on one of your premium radio shows uh you know you're just flooded with telegrams okay honest dude i i learned a lot in the three days i was in rehab and i'm actually starting to think i don't have the problem it's all you're all the fucking addicts you're all fucking stupid you're all fucked up give me i'm gonna go back inside and grab my opium pipe fuck the show <laughs> In any event, I'll say uh, you at least think to be prepared and loaded in along with all your luggage in Lindbergh's plane. Then you're off. He takes off from your front yard. You're in the air. The miracle of flight. None of you have been on an airplane before, perhaps. Yeah. Hey, so while we're up here, guys, I mean, I know like none of us like them, right? But don't you think a Jewish person could find out like the funny things about like going in one of these contraptions? <laughs> <laughs> Like you got to admit, right? Yeah, no, yeah. The, the 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 Hebrews are good at noticing things about certain things and then telling you about it in a in a humorous manner. In the air, uh, Lindbergh explains that he's been going through intensive flight training for a project so secret that he can't divulge it even to you. Oh, I've been on a ton of those. I've, I have a ton of things I can't talk about. Oh, that's I've, right. You were yeah. a pilot during the Great War. Absolutely. Yeah, that was the thing that I did. I know that I said I also did trench warfare, but uh, they didn't let me take my plane one day, and uh, I was in the trench. They said I was actually better than most guys, so I had to go home because I was decreasing morale because I was so much better than the other guys. I could actually fly around the world if I wanted to. I just really don't have time. Uh, He absentmindedly packs an opium pipe and hands it to you. Yeah, you know what? I don't really have a problem. I just had like a bad like decade. Give me, give me that. This would be a good point to fill you in with some background information that you're all familiar with. A little about Enoch Musk. He's one of the most admired men in the world, the founder of Tachyon Industries, the sole visionary behind such game-changing inventions as the driverless carriage, the womanless mop, (laughs) and the next-generation penny farthing that has two giant wheels instead of just one. If I won the lottery, I would buy one of those. He is He's so cool. constantly in the press with his cryptic pronouncements, one of the modern era's greatest celebrities, a millionaire who's dating or fetching young Chanteuse. Yeah, she looks dirty all the time, though. What's up with that? Suffice it to say, the three of you are huge fans of him. I've long said, uh, second to myself, the greatest mind of our generation, and of course, uh, third to my uh, dearly departed sister, Sonia, um, who often would uh, dust her cheeks with... Uh, with ash from our family's fireplace to encounter the role of a little street urchin and ragamuffin as I chased her about the house. That's fucking sus. <laughs> For the past several months, Musk has been hinting at the unveiling of his newest invention, one that's supposed to change the course of humanity itself. Suffice it to say, the fact that your old friend Charles Lindbergh is working so closely with such a revered intellectual is quite exciting. Mr. Lindbergh, can you give us a can you give us a hint on what uh, dear Enoch is working on and what, what he'd like from us? Well, I'm probably the biggest hint of all, right? As an aviator. Uh, do you have any child-rearing tips for us who might one day decide to become fathers? <laughs> <laughs> the problem with modern parenting is 
these gyrocopting parents always watching their children. You have to cut the leash. Let them roam free. We live in very safe times. Very, very true. Uh, Mr. Lindbergh, so are you, are you, you mean to tell us that Enoch Musk has created some sort of n- new way of travel, even superior to that of this aero- aeroplane? Oh, you'll see. You shall see. You do seem to remember that before his recent unbroken string of successes, Musk had some fairly high-profile failures in the 1910s. There was the his infamous submarine with the screen door, <laughs> <laughs> which he offered uh, for use to... Uh, uh, Retrieve the skeletons from the shipwreck of the Titanic, <laughs> uh, but failed so catastrophically it crashed into the Lusitania, sinking it. <laughs> uh, then, of course, was his uh, big, uh, his last new big mode of transportation, the hypergun. It's a gigantic gun with bullets so large that people could ride in it, and you would be shot across the continent. You could get from San Francisco to New York within three hours. I mean, you guys know the famous story. Like, Shoeless Joe Jackson was cut from his, like, you know, uh, lower, lower school baseball team. And he was actually homeschooled, so it was even more insulting. But he was a champion. So yes, but... Everyone he, fails, dude. Yeah, but he never fired hundreds of people smack dab into the side of skyscraper-style buildings, turning them into paste, like Mr. Musk did. Okay, well, according to Mr. Musk, those people were already paste when they got on, <laughs> so are you going to believe... Like, are you going to believe the fucking lying media who is in the pocket of, like, big non-bullet transportation? Fair enough. Uh, Count Von Zeppelin has made some very large purchases in American newspaper media in the last decade, so... But regarding failure, as you know, gentlemen... Failure always leads to success. That's, That's the first rule of successonomics. Finally, a like-minded person. It's good to. It's good that we can converse with a fellow educated man. After a mere thirty-hour flight, you arrive <laughs> in San Francisco. You check in to the local Days Inn by Wyndham, and Lindbergh leads you <laughs> to get a good night's rest. The next day, you take a cable car to the Presidio on the North Shore, the site of the 1925 World's Fair. For once, you're happy to see so many foreigners, as they've brought marvels from around the world for your entertainment. It's frankly overwhelming. Monumental pavilions built in cutting-edge architectural styles house the latest developments in science and the humanities. Since you woke up at 1 p.m., you have time to check out just a couple attractions before the Tachyon Industries exhibition. Three pavilions catch your eye. One is in the style of a Shinto shrine. Another is a miniature version of the Roman Colosseum. Another is a massive hangar from which you faintly hear whale songs. Dude, I think I can spit over that. Let's go to the whale songs. <laughs> uh, I would like, uh, I'm of course instantly drawn to the, uh, the Shinto temple style as I'm a fan of uh, the sort of illustrative narrative style of the people of Nippon and their um, sort of animated uh, storytelling. Should we split up? Yeah, let's. Ch- I'll, what's the first one? The Colosseum. I'll go there. The Romans had a lot of good ideas. All right. Uh, we'll start with you, Matt. You make your way to the Italian Pavilion. As I said, it's in the style of the Roman Colosseum. Oh, you didn't tell me these were cursed Italians. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think the Colosseum would be? I thought it was just a is a neoclassical uh, ode to the the great civilization of old before it was contaminated by. By Mediterranean sloth and indolence. Well, you are about to turn your back to leave in disgust when you uh, attract the attention of one of the mustachioed men in lab coats outside harassing people walking around. Hey, pal, come on in. What's the matter? Well, 
I do, I do loathe the cursed Italian, but I'm drawn, as always, to any man who won't take no for an answer, so uh, I follow him into the pavilion. Inside, there are shiftless men playing the accordion on every corner to the amusement, of, da- <laughs> to the amusement of dancing capuchin monkeys. Uh. There are great. Oh, you can tell the difference between the the players and the monkeys. That's very interesting of you. I myself cannot, sir. There are great banners hanging all around, boasting of Italian achievements throughout <laughs> history. The conquests of ancient Rome. Is this is the invention this what, of fascism? Is this what the uh, young people refer to as irony? The opening of the Pizza Gate and the invention of catcalling. Ah, uh, well, those are noble achievements. I guess I should give him a, another chance. You wander around. There's several booths uh, advertising the latest inventions, the latest achievements in Italian science. Uh, one guy manning a booth uh, calls at you to come over. Hey, you wanna, you wanna, you want something? You wanna buy something? Well, let's see what you have, you swarthy lout. <laughs> he opens up a very small and very dark jar. You peer into it. It's very black in that jar. It's probably the blackest thing you've ever seen. Uh, is this what they put in their hair? No, no, no. This is called venti black. It is the darkest blackface makeup ever created. <laughs> it captures 99% of light. And the grease from your forehead, it doesn't rub it off. God, with this, you, one could become the most powerful entertainer the world has ever seen. <laughs> you, uh, you want to buy? You want some? Well, Only $5 a jar. $5 I, being, of course, a very large amount. It is a pretty penny, but at the same time, I really do enjoy singing along to Amos and Andy on the radio and and it just doesn't feel the same with my pallid white skin. So, sure, I buy a jar. Okay, you've acquired a jar of venti black. Uh, before you have time to contemplate your purchase, you're roped into a, uh, the second exhibit here. There's a, a very large machine resembling a printing press. Just a, a massive gears, you know, intricate machinery, steam coming out of it. You know, like a printing press. It's a printing press. <laughs> you're invited to watch an exhibition of the, of the Italian printing press. Uh, the carnival barker here informs you, finally, you can read the great works of Italian literature the way they were meant to be read. <clears throat> the printing press spits out pieces of pasta in the shape of letters and deposits them in a can. <laughs> here, you, sir, why don't you give it a try? He hands you the can. He says, this is the Decameron. Well, that's very all well and good, but I myself am a... Uh, acolyte of Professor Phineas Atkins and his uh, new approach to nutrition, which uh, strictly forbids one to consume such heavy carbohydrates as the Italianate pasta. But uh, I will enjoy reading it, perhaps. This is going to be a really big invention. I have a cousin back in the old country. If he can increase your investment fivefold, you invest some money right now, yes? No, be gone, you charlatan. I would sooner uh, give my money to a drunken Polak than to a shiftless, a shiftless Italian such as uh, yourself. Dr. Pennyfarthing, though, uh, you still did invest my money with Charles Ponzi, though. Well, of course. Well, I, I mean, mean we can expect a massive return on that investment. Well, obviously. Correctly? I mean, he is, he is a credit to his race. He's yes. shown himself to be a, 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 a quite an upstanding and, and profitably uh, driven uh, uh, Mediterranean fellow. I don't know of this There's man. There's no way so. we can oh. lose money. Well, Dr. Penny Farthing, it probably behooves you to leave the pavilion before you arouse their famous Mediterranean ire with your uh, tirades against their swarthy race. 
Yeah, and I soon I would rather not be dragooned into any more questionable financial arrangements. Let's go to Will's story. Mm. Will, you enter what is clearly the Japanese pavilion. You find yourself in front of a stage in elaborate calligraphy. Uh, a sign outside. A sign outside says the Konami stage. The room is packed. Uh, you ask the person sitting next to you what this is all about. He says, "Don't you know?" The famed Tajiro Hojima is unveiling his latest revolutionary, darkly satirical game. What, what game is this? <sighs> a hush over the crowd as the trailer begins. The curtain rises. A samurai in full combat gear enters. He takes out a katana and does cool sword moves. A single hoop rolls down the stage. The samurai deftly stops it with a single tap of his blade. The hoop catches on fire. The samurai runs around in circles on the stage, pushing the flaming hoop with his katana. A banner unfurls, announcing the name of the game. Hoop and Stick 5, Rebirthening of a Nation, Survival and Tactical Momentum. <laughs> the, the crowd is going ape. The gamer you talk to, Will, grabs you by the lapel, crying and screaming, He's a genius! He's a blasted genius! Alright, I'm feeling kind of called out right now. A games reporter speaking into a phonograph recorder. Hojima has saved Hoop and Stick once again! Another banner unfurls, reading, Coming November 1939. <laughs> My beloved and soft-headed Mort, uh, nephew Morton, I'm surely will be <laughs> intrigued and amused by this, uh, you know, uh, bit of trifle. But uh, to me, Hoop and Stick was already perfected in Hoop and Stick Two: The, the Phantom Immigrant. <laughs> Felix, why don't we move on to your adventure? All right, so a little update on me. I my back hurts from sitting in the plane. I've been up for two hours. <laughs> I, I'm sort of mad of certain members of my party going to the Japanese place because I was, as people know, I was on the plane thinking about if I had a son and he went to war in Japan and died. <laughs> and it really, really upset me. But luckily, I have with me a book by a uh, writer of the top musical in the country, Showboat, uh, Oscar Hammerstein. And famed, uh, famed telegraph comedian Jonathan Moon <laughs> <laughs> called <laughs> called Salut- salutations this good morn, uh, and it teaches me. It's important for guys like me, recovering addicts who are also now using drugs again, uh, and veterans and liars. Uh, for tips for like you know being kind to yourself, so make, let me, sure, make sure to drink a tincture of mercury every morning. <laughs> yeah, I'm opening it up. I'm opening it up. Okay, he plays this cute character uh, on the Telegraph. He, he's, he's a Polish person coming into a normal country and trying to learn how to use words which the Polish don't have. So let me open this up. Okay, you are a special m- ma'am. It does not. It doesn't matter if you dimmed or did those things in the Great War. Give yourself a nice huff of ether, <laughs> and don't forget to drink brain tonic. All right. Well, you know, I feel the same things that everyone feels about Polish people, but sometimes, you know, from the mouths of children or people who are permanently children, like the Polish. <laughs> So I uh, I have I have a little ether, 
Uh, that doesn't really. That's not really a drug. That's more of a. That's more of a kind of just helps me think yeah. honestly. And when I'm fucked up, that's the real me. So I'm going towards that whale sound. I'm feeling better now. You are inside what is so, a building practically the size of an airplane hangar. Uh, Edison Labs has set up an exhibition, the latest wonders to come out of Menlo Park. There are booths, gigaws, doodads everywhere. Uh, booth slatterns at each booth trying to entice uh, gentlemen such as yourself into checking out the wares. Now, Felix, it's very loud in the pavilion, but if you listen closely, you can hear those whale songs. Damn. It's fucking, this is a bop, dude. <laughs> <laughs> They're resonating uh, from the center of the pavilion. All right, bring me to those whales. <laughs> Want to see those wet guys? <laughs> Here's what you find. The centerpiece of the pavilion is a massive tank with four orcas swimming through it majestically. Yeah, I don't know. I've just always, you know, always my entire life, even though I've literally never mentioned it ever before, felt a connection to sea creatures. They're really? just, they're really... They're strong, they're empathetic, they're nice people, but when they get fucking pissed off, don't mess with them. That's like me. So I'd like to put my hand on the tank. Like, you put your hand on the tank, and one of the orcas swims up to you, puts its mouth where your hand is. I nod at him. I nod at him solemnly. You look up, and there's a platform above the tank. Thomas Edison himself stands aloft. <clears throat> he speaks into a microphone. Through the miracle of modern science, Edison Labs has revolutionized mankind's hysterious endeavor. Gone are the days when whalers, fishermen, fear shipwrecks, be forced to resort to godless cannibalism. Behold! Edison flips a switch. Two massive coils on either side of the tank glow red hot. Arcs of lightning cascade between them, flying into the tank. The water, the water begins to roil, Fuck. growing cloudy. The no. entire pavilion becomes hot. Then you see the orcas surface, belly up like expired goldfish in a bowl. The crowd breaks out into a polite golf clap. Booth slatterns walk through the crowd carrying trays of whale meat or d'oeuvres. Edison declares, Imagine a world where the peaceful Eskimo... Like my friend Nanunavut here, <laughs> he pats an Inuit man wearing a full parka on the back, can get the blubber and bones they need for their sustenance through nothing more than the flip of a switch. Your oh. investment in Edison Labs today promises a future for you and your progeny where the entire ocean is electrocuted, famine eradicated, your next meal is only a walk to the beach away. Oh, dude. I fucking hate it when people abuse orcas. Oh, everyone always talks shit about orcas, but it's the owners, not the fish. <laughs> Fuck. Oh, I'm so fucking mad. <laughs> what now, Felix? I'm going to, I'm calling Thomas Edison out. Hey, Dr. Thomas Edison, I respect you, dude. You created electricity and, you know, you, I mean, technically you didn't. You sort of, you took it. From uh, the guy Benjamin Franklin, but he's fucking gross. No one likes to look. You have a question, sir. Shut up, dude. <laughs> I am the reason that you speak English right now. Do you understand me? Are you ascertaining that, sir? Now, I admire you a lot. I think it's cool how you um, you humiliated that Slavic guy who <laughs> so say that he invented all your stuff, but actually you did it, and he died, and so he's a bitch. But 
how dare you abuse one of the kindest creatures on this earth? Orcas are beautiful, fucking intelligent, kind fish that are they're 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 just they're after God's own heart. Why? For progress. What does a man gain if he gains the entire world but loses all the fish? What do you eat for sustenance? I'm a, yeah, I'm on the uh, polio diet. Uh, you can't eat any foods that uh, can't be consumed by Polish people. You know, they're pretty stupid, but they're actually pretty in shape. Sir, are you on narcotics right now? Maybe you are. As, maybe if you're asking me, maybe you're the fucking drug addict, sir. As uh, you're saying this, you're very clearly sniffing from a rag this entire time. <laughs> this is medicinal. <coughs> I need this. After what I saw over there. Uh, Edison snaps his fingers. Three burly men wearing orca costumes <laughs> have you by the arms and drag you out of the pavilion. Dude, get your fucking hands off me. I'm the reason you can dress up like a fish. You're all, you're, you're, you're all of you, every single one of you, you're all little Kaiser Wilhelms in this grand, <laughs> machine. You have taken this entire, you've taken the entire concept of science and you've turned it into a juggernaut and you're galvanizing me into becoming pissed. Fuck you. <laughs> You're deposited outside the pavilion where your two compatriots are waiting. Uh, Dude, let's fucking leave this place. Everyone's fake. Everyone's... Dr. Penny Farthing is uh, carrying a can of uh, soup and a uh, 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 a little uh, little tin of makeup. Uh, oh, this time I've eaten soup. And <laughs> Professor uh, Professor Hackenbush has this big grin on his face. Like, he's just been amazed. You also have, you also have a, a hoop, on, uh, hoop and stick five swag. Gentlemen, you'll never guess what I have seen in the, the wonders of the Far East and the Orient. Technology has now finally opened up, Japanese technology, to us and the rest of the world. And I think their virtualized entertainments will keep us not thinking about our sister and the bizarre city of impossible geometry I see every night when I close my eyes. Oh, okay, yeah, so cool. So you guys had a lot of fun there. You, you like the wool being pulled over your eyes. I, you like, because what I saw in there was disgusting. I saw a man's bullshit to man and fish. And also, by the way, I've played Hoop and Stick 6, actually. <laughs> they let me play it, and it's better than the shit you played. I'm, I, I have a potentially amusing bit of a tintiture here that I may use for a more realistic Amos and Andy uh, uh, pantomime at home, but... I'm fairly certain that one of those swarthy fellows sold my identity in some fashion and that, that my credit account at the local pharmacy will be overdrawn when I return home. If you check your pockets, you notice that there are several bills and coins missing. Mm. Uh, I never should have gone in there. You turn around and look at your rear, and there's a, a, a monkey hanging on your pocket. Ah, <laughs> it and fly away, off. foul <laughs> simian. It is the late afternoon now. An announcement is made over the loudspeakers. That technology existed. Ladies and gentlemen, the event you have all been anticipating, the demonstration of Tachyon Industries' latest technological marvel, is about to begin on the northwest shore. Right as that announcement ends, everyone rushes in one direction. The scientists from various pavilions seem especially eager to get there, elbowing their way to the front of the crowd. Now what, guys? Well, you gotta go where the crowd is. Got to, got to see, yeah, got to see what's this... all about you, huh? <laughs> when you arrive at the northwest shore, there are well over ten thousand gawkers assembled on an empty field before a massive curtain object on a platform right on the shore by the Pacific Ocean. It's about forty-five feet tall, 
From your perspective, it blots out the late afternoon sun setting on the ocean. It is in a cordoned-off area guarded by a squadron of well-armed security guards. Several yards from the platform, there is a dais with a podium and a microphone in the center. On one side, you see your friend Lindbergh, sitting next to the man himself, Enoch Musk. Beside him, his gothic songstress girlfriend Slimes. (laughs) On the other side of the box sit three dozen scientists and engineers, all wearing Tachyon Industries badges and lab coats. The speakers crackle with an announcement. Now, for your amusement, to introduce this technological marvel, 100% on the level lost generation comedian, Nandanan! Yes, dude, this guy's so funny! Huge cheer from the audience for this small and clearly 50-something man who stands up and takes the microphone. He's like one of the Katzenjammer kids. (laughs) Thank you, thank you. Thank you so much. I'm sure you are wondering, hey, what racial categorization is this guy? (laughs) I'm half Rajput and half Celestial, which means I purchased my curry from an opium den. (laughs) Oh, oh, dude, I told you. Everyone is going nuts for this. This is the funniest comedian you've ever seen. He continues. Does anyone remember the Wall Street bombing of 1920? <laughs> yes, the, sir. Yes, I do. The bombing in front of J.P. Morgan's wagon. It was horrifying. The bombing in front of J.P. Morgan's that killed 38 people. Does anyone remember this? It, Absolutely. It turns out it was not caused by anarchists, as the police said. It was actually someone attempting to power his Alexander Graham Bell telephone using alternating currents. Some people are that Mario Buddha. Some people are literally doubling over with how funny this is. If this goes on much further, I may have to do another sanity roll because of just <laughs> how uproariously funny this is. I might have to loosen my my uh, masculine corset, dude, which is I, maintaining I, my my robust physique. Dude, he must be he must be smoking some serious drugs to come up with this stuff. <laughs> this is so good. Plus, it's refreshing how he doesn't use godless language like other body dance hall performers of the day. It's, it's no question that this man has had several tintypes taken with President Coolidge. And what you like the most is that he's, he makes you laugh, but he also makes you think. Yeah, you know, I've seen this guy. I've seen this guy's special before. And, you know, is it horrorously funny? No, but it's so important. It's so important. <laughs> the second half, the second half <laughs> is so good. You've li- you, you've listened to uh, Nan's uh, uh, one man show, Nanette. <laughs> Nan's stand up comedy performance lasts another fifty gut busting minutes. He concludes to rapturous applause. It is nighttime now. Hundreds of torches are lit all around you. Massive bonfires now flank the curtained objects, and now. The other man you are here for, it is my honor to introduce the greatest visionary of our times, inventor and industrialist, Enoch Musk. Musk stands up and takes the microphone, but not before Danon ropes him into taking a self-photograph with one of those big old-timey cameras. (laughs) That takes another three hours as they stand and pose for it. (laughs) Hello. Yes. Thank you, citizens of the world. Mankind has conquered our planet. Through our industriousness, we have explored all seven continents. We have navigated all seven seas. We have identified all 500 species of animal. We have measured the skulls of every race. Our labors here on Earth are complete. But the eon of exploration has not ended yet. Tonight, I begin our next great expedition 
mankind venturing out there into the great unmapped expanse of stars and planets and comets so that we may conquer them and divide them fairly among the great European kings as is their birthright. Just imagine what alien races we will meet there. Picture what exotic skulls they will have, perhaps a cubic skull or a tetrahedron, and perhaps once we enslave them, we will find the aliens quite fit for factory labor, making the common Italian obsolete. I give you now the vessel that will lead us into the galaxy, the culmination of three years of innovation from Tachyon Industries. I give you my rocket ship. Porters pull ropes attached to the curtain, unveiling what is indeed a 45-foot-tall rocket held in place by metal scaffolding. It emits burps of steam and smoke. The crowd goes wild, especially the scientists. Uh, it's, re- it's very hard to see because they're so far away from the dais. Uh, you see that the scientists, the Tachyon Industry scientists on the dais, are making a strange face. It's, uh, you can't make it out too well from where you are, but it's a look of both surprise and elation. <laughs> Oh, no, no. I've seen this look before. I've seen this. Oh, my God. Dude, when they came out with the new with the new Jax kit, there are just all these awful men. Yes. Jennings supporters. Yes, yes, yes. This. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's a facial expression that I uh, associate with, with certain exotic grains. Uh, I, I can't think of which specific, but, but overly consuming them leads to, to the compulsive need to make this expression. Yeah, it's just, it's very... It's like you're tricking someone into thinking you're excited and happy. Enoch continues. In time, I will explain to the world how this device functions so that all the great kingdoms of man may suckle at the teeth of my technology. But for now, I wish only to astound you. For this is merely a test rocket. In one week's time at the Tachyon Proving Grounds in the Black Rock Desert, I invite you all to witness the launch of the rocket that will send a human Caucasian man into space, then return him safely to Earth. Today, for this demonstration, there is merely an inanimate Slavic child on board. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, nothing of value will be lost in the event of emergency, so I mean, this is good. And now, I invite my little pile of awesome sauce to ignite the rocket. Musk points at the full moon resplendent in the sky. Darling, to there. Slimes winces at this, but dutifully joins Musk at the podium and flips a large switch. Presently, thick black smoke gushes forth from the bottom of the rocket, followed by gouts of white-hot flame. You feel the ground tremble. Astonished gasps are coming from the crowd. Although you are several hundred feet from the rocket itself, you feel the air grow intolerably hot. It feels like the end of days. My God, these are some thick-ass ropes coming out of this rocket here. Now the rocket is rising from the stage as if time itself has slowed down. For some reason, I'm looking at this rocket rise into the sky majestically, and I'm thinking once again of my tubercular sister Sonia being eaten by rats. <laughs> but then something seems off. One half of the scaffolding totally collapses. The rocket isn't going straight up anymore to where space is. Instead, <laughs> instead, it's arcing backwards, back towards the crowd, back in the direction of the World's Fair. Panic erupts. People start shoving their way out of the rocket's path. You're in a massive crowd. Make dodge rolls. Oh, oh, oh is 100, right? Well, I'm fucked. It's a critical fail. 
I am fucked. I got 44 on a 35. Uh, two fails, one critical fail. Felix and Will take 1d4 points of damage. Uh, Matt, take the full four right. points of damage. I took one point of damage. I lost four. Anybody <laughs> loses four. Uh, you're trampled dumbass. pretty bad by the crowd. Ah, uh, you, you cursed Saracens. Uh, you are trampling the friend of a veteran, I yell at them. But the three of you are just trampled. Hmm. Sonia! Sonia! <laughs> Fortunately for you, the rocket flies over your head toward the fairgrounds. You turn and see it. It crashes into the Japanese pavilion, obliterating it in an angry fireball. The future we've always been dreaming of <laughs> is no more. Artificial computing and intelligence? Rest in peace, authentic ones. You're in the middle of a screaming panic and crowd. Uh, you pick yourselves up. What do you do? I mean, let's. let's the, this is the, the house of horrors. I suggest that we uh, exhuant the entire uh, fairground post-haste. Perhaps try to um, get some medical attention and some opiates. Indeed. I am. Yeah, I yeah, am yeah, yeah. Our I battered am, bodies. I am what, I am what, the, uh, what the children refer to as a torn up from the ground up. Lindbergh from the dais runs up to you during the bedlam and says... We better fly out of here, fellas. He rushes you to his plane, (laughs) takes off from the Presidio, and flies you back to your hotel a half mile south. After landing in the parking lot, Lindbergh (laughs) pulls out a cigar and just starts puffing on it, very stressed out. Charlie, you okay? That wasn't too good. That rocket was not supposed to explode. (laughs) (laughs) This this troubles me because the, the nattering nabobs of negativity, I think my... I suggest we'll use this incident to further um, tar the reputation of a great genius like Mr. Enoch Musk. Well, I, I take this as just further confirmation that there will never be a more effective or efficient model of travel than the hot air balloon. <laughs> it, is, it is God's preferred conveyance, and I will stick to it from now on, sir. Boys, boys, that Argonaut who's supposed to go into space in one week's time is me. This was no accident. This was sabotage. <gasps> Someone, for some reason, is trying to take down Mr. Musk. And my life is at stake. This, I bet it's one of those disgustingly negative people who you often see on the, the public limited character telegraph lines <laughs> who are always second-guessing Mr. Musk and all of his brilliant ideas. Uh, that's good intuition, Dr. Penny Fargan, but I bet my bottom dollar it's an inside job. No one else would have had access to the scaffolding or the rockets, except someone inside Tachyon Labs. Well, that seems to me to indicate that we must go and... and uh, carry out a thorough investigation of those figures who we might be responsible. Would you, Capone boys? I think one good turn deserves another, eh? I'd be downright grateful if you'd investigate these goings-on and ensure my total safety next week. Of here, course. Here, here. Sir, it would be my sacred honor At one let point, you become the I, rocket man. I, I perceive through that same intuition you spoke of, a future where the, there will be great pressure in this country to be embroiled in some sort of global conflagration on behalf of, of Hebraic financial interests. <laughs> and I see you, Mr. Lindbergh, as the one person who might stand in the way of us <laughs> entering such an awful cauldron of violence. If you do this for me, I will do that for you. Here, here. That's the deal to me. How do you want to go about things? Well, first of all, we're going to need a name of everyone who works at Tachyon Labs who might have had access to the rocket and the scaffolding. Well... 
There's Enoch, obviously. And interestingly, Slimes. Mm, She's yes. there quite a lot. Yeah, I certainly never trust a female. She is, no, she is number not. one on my list of suspects yeah. and no. my list of Sonya lookalikes. As, yeah. as yeah. we like to say in the streets of Red Hook, chippies are not loyal. Yeah, no. the first time I saw <laughs> Slimes, I said, who's that harlot over there? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> You're absolutely... <clears throat> You're absolutely right, Dr. Penny Farthing. No self-regarding American male would ever cede any authority to a chippy. Mm. But I have to tell you, Slime seems to wear the slacks in this relationship. She's very sweet to her beau, but she's awful to everyone else. Enoch gives her free reign over the compound, and boy, can she be a real terror if you catch her in one of her moods. Could you imagine a female giving orders to male scientists? She walks all over them. She even tried to tell me how to wear my aviator goggles once. One teaspoon of the old Lindbergh charm, and she backed down too sweet. I bet she's a suffragette, which, of course, those are never to be trusted. Suffragettes almost ruined Hoop and Stick 4. I fucking hate them. These suffragette justice combatants, their (laughs) perfidity knows no end. As for those scientists, I don't know any of their names. I mostly spend my time at the testing grounds. Well, I do think we should begin with Miss Slimes, because, of course, a woman is always more treacherous than any man one could imagine. But we should try to also, if that goes nowhere, uh, uh, seek some sort of information about those other scientists, because if you don't know their names, sir, that, I, that makes me raise my eye. They might be Bolshevik provocateurs. I hadn't thought of it. I mean, they seem like pretty swell fellas, fairly affable, good-humored, always excited about their work, even if the hours get a bit long. Yes, I'm I'm sure that's what they said about Leon Cholgosh. There's this other fella, big ox of a man. I've encountered him maybe once or twice. Thought he was another aviator on account of his swagger and real funny dress. It turns out he's some sort of shadow investor or something. Real ladies' man, too, it seems. All the secretaries turn their heads when he walks by. Good thing he stays out of my way, eh? Do you know his name? Yeah, dude, if there was a fucking contest, you would win. No cap, no cap, no propeller cap. (laughs) 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 Didn't catch his name, but he's not hard to spot. Maybe be on on the lookout for him. All right. Well, I think first order of business is to track down Mrs. Slimes and and follow her to uh, her domicile or her first meeting place with uh, other folks. Well, you fellas well, seem to know more about this investigating stuff than I do, so I leave it to you. Hey, I, you know, leave the investigating to us. We'll leave the child care to you, okay? I don't know anything about babies either, but, you know, you do you, do you Miss Charlie. There's nothing you can do tonight, but if you want, I can get you access to the grounds tomorrow. Perhaps a tour, whatever you want. That sounds like a good entrepot. Just let me know. In the meantime, we're, we, y'all we're got, letting you know. Y'all got any opium? Because yeah. we got to kill a knight here. Like, oh, of yeah, course. Yeah, I'd, like, yeah, I'd yeah. like to have some loudnum, yeah. please. Oh, yeah, I, oh, I, want, I want a chief on that loud. No. Where are my manners? I'm a bit shaken by witnessing the rocket be destroyed. Please, please. All right. Let's get fucked up, fam. Yeah. You uh, you smoke some loud with Lindbergh. <laughs> Lindbergh bids you good night. He has to uh, get to the proving grounds and be there in the morning. Uh... After he leaves, the Capone boys form a cuddle puddle at the day's end. You all feel a level of trust for each other that you really haven't felt since your infamous 
1924 presidential election live show. Oh, so a thousand pardons, fam, for, for my, my exuberant behavior uh, uh, under the influence of, of ether and laudanum and, and patent medications of all stripe. Yeah, and I should have been there, I, but I just I had to perform with alfalfa. rascals <laughs> <laughs> that night. Uh, you all get a great night's sleep. Uh, in the morning, you receive a phone call by the press agent of Tachyon Industries, a Mr. Walter Mathau. He informs you. <laughs> uh, he informs you that Mr. Lindbergh has requested you receive a personal tour of the facilities, and he is happy to add that. <laughs> Enoch Musk himself will sit for an interview with you in the afternoon. They will send a self-driving carriage to your hotel to take you to the lab at 2 p.m. Until then, you have some time to do research, hang out in the city, eh, follow up any leads. I would like to do, do all the research possible into the Slimes character. Clearly, we have very little understanding of her because we only prefer more esoteric interests as opposed to the popular trifle that she uh, puts out. So we should all spend some of this time anyway, finding out everything we can about this Slimes character. I would say you uh, have the time for each of you to tackle one topic, or you could double up on one to increase your chances. Uh, I will I will look through her... Uh, her fuck, what are they called? God damn it, not phonographs, the fucking cylinders. I'm going to look through her cylinders and see what, what, her, what her musical output is, and then uh, also any m- mention of her in uh, any library references... In popular newspapers or 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 magazines. Got it. Uh, uh, Will and Felix. Um, you know, as much as I love comedian Nan, I, you know, we have a saying in the army: it does be your own fellows. And so <laughs> I will investigate him. Uh, I hope in, I'm in, wrong, but I'm. How do you want to investigate him? Uh, the library, the cylinder store. I'm going to go to the library. Okay, and Will. I would also, I would like to go to the library and investigate. Mr. Enoch Musk and his uh, history and any possible connection to any occultish or uh, mythos type activity. All right. Uh, let's go about this one at a time. Uh, Felix, you head to the San Francisco Public Library, one of the finest libraries in the country. Make a library use roll. Uh, 37 and library use is 20. You only get the general surface information about Nan Danen. Uh He is... One of the greatest comedians of all time. Probably the greatest. Uh, he is indeed half Indian and half Chinese. Well, um, look, I've never been one for books. I'm not a book type learner. I'm an experienced type learner. You do find a uh, book that he wrote, Nan Language. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Uh, and you amuse yourself. <laughs> throughout the morning, reading his uh, observations about modern life. Oh my god, this is this shit is so good. Oh man. Either way, you're confident that you have turned up enough information to rule him out as a suspect. Alright, well, having completely exonerated comedian Nan, I'm feeling good. I'd like to go back to reading my positivity book that I brought with me. Yeah, no, I'd like to read the positivity book uh, just for a second too, and I, I just really like this, this one section where it says, I am an ibish and so are you. <laughs> it's so good. Professor Hackenbush, uh, you also had the library to dig deep in the history right. of Enoch Musk and Tachyon Industries. Some to do a roll on this. All right. I got a uh, 38. Un- Under un- uh, 70 is my library. All right. Good pass. First off, you turn up the story of Enoch Musk that you're mostly already familiar with. 
He made his wealth in the early 1900s with the invention of a payment processor called fiat currency. (laughs) Before then, in order to make transactions, people would have to carry around gold nuggets and scales. It was all very unwieldy. Uh... He sold- oh yeah, our friend, our friend Nicholas Mole from Ejaculate Village actually like made a lot investing in fiat. <laughs> After selling fiat currency to the Federal Reserve, he founded Tachyon Industries, an R and D heavy company that he bet would produce lucrative scientific breakthroughs. The company's first few projects were massive public failures, such as the submarine and the hypergun. It managed to shoot the bullets, but couldn't really stick the landing. He ended up destroying several buildings, dams, and Appalachia. Things like that. Also, the trigger took 20 men to pull. Is there anything? Oh, sounds like my Saturday night. <laughs> can, I, can I look up anything about... Um... Uh, hang on. I'll go okay. on from there. His failures were so infamous that he was widely lampooned in the press up to 1922. Up to that point, uh, the name Musk was synonymous with failure. But something changed in 22. The company's fortunes turned around with a string of dazzling technological breakthroughs. The ones that I described to you earlier. The carriage, the mop, the penny farthing. Musk, his pronouncements in the press, they were different after 22. Before then, he would announce something like the next generation submarine and say, Here's my invention. I hope you, I hope you like it, please. Or he would blow up a ship or a dam and say, I'm very sorry I did that. I hope you like me still. He was also famously an eligible bachelor, but despite his great wealth, seemed to have no, uh, opportunities. But 22 is what changed it all around. Uh, the string of successes, and as well Musk's new public persona. He became, uh, he started acting cocky, virile, acting like a real genius. He bragged that he invented Every single thing that his company produced, they all sprouted from his mind, fully formed like Athena. It was also around 22 that he started dating the young cabaret singer Slimes. Hmm, interesting. Hmm, hmm. That's, that's sus to me. Uh, yes, <laughs> quite sus. suspect. Yeah. Another thing you realize is that in 22, you can't find a transcript of it, but he appeared on one of your competitor's radio shows. He sat down for an interview with radio host Father James Bogan. (laughs) During the interview, he was offered a jazz cigarette. This was quite (laughs) controversial at the time. Not long after that, his company turned things around. That is what you get, Will. Okay, can I I do any, like, like a mythos or occult role knowledge to see if he has any connections to the the mythos or anything occult? Just from the press uh, uh, clippings that you read, nothing screams occult to you. Okay. Uh, He just seems like a guy who was a failure, and then he became a success, which is not a wholly un-American story, as you know. From reading The Great Gatsby published this year. I'd say that's good for you, Will. Now, Matt. Yes. Uh, make a library use role. Well, wait, hang on, hang on. Actually, let's let's make this more interesting. You want to learn more about slimes, but you don't know a lot about recorded music. So you walk down to a record store. Uh, you head in the record store, and uh, the clerk is uh, one of those snooty, entitled, lost generation types. Oh, my blood's boiling already. Oh, I'm so angry at him. I'm resentful because he's younger than I am, and I'm going to die before he does, and I hate him for it. Hey, man, what are you looking for? Some of them jump blues? I'm looking for the latest recorded cylinders from this 
Shantouse Slimes. Thank uh, you very you much. You don't think that uh, Sousa marches might be more your speed, my cat? Oh, your, your youthful fatlessness fills me with rage and a desire to see your standard of living drastically <laughs> decline. <laughs> <laughs> but sadly, there's no voting booth in my vicinity. I will be forced to just carry forward and ask you for the slimes. I, bet, I bet you're com- still complaining about your $3 finishing school debt. <laughs> Man, man, I'm just yanking your chain. That slime stuff is hip if it's 1924. (laughs) But go back around the back, and we've got a few gramophones back there for you. A thousand thank yous, my cursed, entitled young friend. I think we need another great war to sort all these lost generation sickos out. Indeed. Hopefully one will be forthcoming too sweet. Dr. Pennyfather, you flip through the record discs in the women's section. You get to Slimes. You find several copies of her debut album uh, entitled Blood Moon. Uh, You put one on. One thing strikes you as interesting. Whereas the sleeves of the other records uh, tend to use the uh, graphical language of the era, which is to say a lot of words. Uh, There is a uh, long block of text on the cover that says, Dear Patron, will you consider purchasing this disc? Uh, And then a very small image. This one is more, oh, I don't know, artistic? Uh, The cover is a photograph of what you presume to be the singer, a young woman, uh, wearing a soiled wedding dress. Oh, this is this is quite tawdry and, 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 and profane. It seems to be making you question your assumptions about uh, uh, the patriarchy. It's just a concept you don't even know. I, I, <laughs> I see this, and it, and it seems to suggest to me that there should be some sort of... I can't even pronounce the word. Equity. It sounds like equity between the genders. Such a notion is is so so alien to me. But yet, yet this image insists upon it, and I cannot draw drive it from my mind. You blink and rub your eyes. It's almost as if this woman is empowered. Oh, this this is as if by alternating current. This is a. This is a. Incandescent Amazon attempting to overthrow my masculine wiles. I cannot handle it, but I must press on in the name of investigative rigor. There's so a, I, a- I, ca- I take my eyes away from the cursed image, but I listen to the cylinder. Okay. Uh, you take the disc and you put it in one of the trial phonographs. You listen to the first few songs. They are they're interesting. It's uh, She has an interesting voice. It's high-pitched, very girlish, but whereas most young women of the era are uh, tittering and shy and obsequious, as you're familiar with females being, this one seems uh, you know, she's, she seems very confident and strong. You uh, uh, A pang of fear goes down your spine as you listen to this. You, you're kind of afraid that even though she's not there, what if she were to tease you or emasculate you in some fashion? My God, not any of these lyrics refer to taking a handheld stroll around a duck pond with one's favorite. <laughs> no, not at all. And as well, there are very few songs about uh, the grand old flag 
or fighting in the Battle of Fredericksburg? <laughs> not a single oh denunciation of the Kaisers can find in any of these tracks. Instead, they're more about uh, seducing the captain of the football team. Or what else? Uh, there's a lot of uh, uh, gothic imagery. God, the it's almost it's almost Rome and destroyed our classical civilization. It's almost as if she doesn't care for taffeta and cake parties, but cares more for things like uh, black ravens in the night. Oh my God, this is this is untoward. No, no, no woman should be meddling with such dark and occult figures. This, this is like as some sort of distaff Edgar Allan Poe. But, I will not have it. But hang on, hang on. You get to the title track. Before you do, you hear a call uh, from the clerk in the other room who yells back at you, Hey, Grover, this ain't a library. Cease your complaint, my young friend. I need only listen to a few more of these tracks. You sally forth and you hear, finally, the title track, Blood Moon. a slight tang of the Hebraic to that incantation, but what I draw most from it is uh, that this woman is clearly invested in the sort of interstellar travel that, that Mr. Musk is, is investigating, and as such, has a deep investment in his efforts, which to me confirms that she is suspect number one. Matt, make a mythos roll. It's going to be a hard roll. Oh, is 100, right? Yes. Oh, I'm fucked then. Zero is, is good. That's good. You rolled so a two. Tw- uh, I rolled a two. Oh, all right. Yeah. Then oh, I'm yeah. good. You passed the fuck out you of that. You rolled zero. Let's go. Let's go. Well, then I don't even have to look at it. I passed that. Wow. Well done. From your experience with the mythos, you realize that the refrain of the song is, in fact, a spell of some kind, an ancient incantation. But you have no idea how a 20-year-old woman would know such a thing. 
preposterous. Uh, well, well, but very I, troubling. I, I, may, I may not understand how the, this this mere uh, stripling gained this occult information, but clearly she is to be followed quite closely, and, and we must make her the focus of our investigation. What do you want to do in the I, record I must store? return to my fellows and impart this information upon them. Are you buying the record? No, I got the gist. <laughs> uh, I spent all my money on this godforsaken blackface that Felix, I hope one you... day to make use of. Oh, what, just all perusing? You don't even want a Gilbert and Solomon? Oh, man, come on! Gain meaningful employment! <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Benny Felding, you conclude your investigation into the slimes and reunite with your colleagues at the hotel just before 2 p.m. Uh, care to share what Gentlemen, there is no doubt that Slimes is dabbling in occult forces that are fixated upon some sort of celestial intervention. She is, without a doubt, the top suspect in any sort of shenanigans related to the rocket sh- uh, fiasco that we experienced. Doc- she must be our focus. Dr. Penny Farthing, this Slimes woman and her connection to the occult prophesizes a grim and terrible future where slatterns of every type will style themselves witches and astrologists as they live in the, the borough of Brooklyn. <laughs> Felix, you're particularly frightened by this concept, being afraid of witches as you are. I'm not, afraid of, any, I'm not afraid of anything, but I have a medical condition that causes me to scream when I see a witch or hear about them or think about them in any way and involuntarily run in the other directions. Like, you, you guys know me. You guys know me. Like, if there was, a, like, an act, like, an active swordsman or anarchist bomb maker, I would run straight into danger. But a witch that does... Yeah, unfortunately, it stops me in my tracks. <laughs> Sucks. As well, like Dr. Penny Farthing can report from listening to Slimes' music that she seems to have an ability akin to that of a banshee. Her coquettish voice, her confidence, makes you deeply afraid that she might emasculate you in some fashion. She might say something to question your fundamental masculinity and make you feel bad. As you guys know, like, I went on a spiritual journey one night on the overheated, in the overheated room in my cousin's domicile on a boiled leather contraption, a sitting and laying a contraption, a Davenport. We consumed many, many pints of ale. We listened to the same shitty phonograph over and over and over again. And at that moment, I witnessed a ghoul. I'm tired of slatterns other than my sister telling me that it's Libra season. I don't know what the fuck that means. Who's bringing the recording equipment? Uh, Can we hire some sort of... uh, Some sort of... uh, Porter? uh, Yeah, a porter or a man at hand to, to slave away for us. They don't have Portuguese out here. <laughs> Decretio, please come. Visit no, the there's celestials. There, 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 there's homunculus-like Italians. There's yeah, yeah, let's hire a fucking Italian. Let's, yeah, let's, 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 get, let's get some of their fucking viscous tomato soup. On Jesus Christ, I am so fucking sick every time we have to do something, getting into a 20-minute debate about which immigrant group we should hire or eat for lunch. Fuck it. I'll just carry the gear. Are you happy now? I'm like your fucking parents. He's yeah, carrying fine. fine. <laughs> Dr. Hagenbush is carrying the gear. It's very heavy and he actually I mean he can carry but he's really overdoing it and like 
uh, like grunting and shooting daggers at Felix. All right, no, I would, I would carry it, but as you know, I've been up for three hours. <laughs> My the bed at the fucking the place wasn't right. The days backfield at Wyndham. By the way, I've noticed that we've been staying in a lot of the days <laughs> in at Wyndham's on our various occult investigations, and I'm worried about this wizard figure that they keep. Harassing oh, me yeah. the, the, every time I oh, ask yes, this disgusting yes. cursed oh, wizard man. Yes, yes, the, the dandy fop with 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 an obscene uh, sort of uh, auburn beard and, and a walking stick. Yes, the Wyndham ogre. He yes. disgusts me. The Wyndham ogre with his sort of impish smile beckoning <laughs> you into these rather fetid domiciles. I cannot escape his his haunting visage on all on any of our travels. Also, their radio signal sucks. I've lost so many. <laughs> <laughs> I had dude no I have lost so many fucking checkers by telegraph games I know I'm fucking better than those players uh, no by the way before you fucking start they're not children adults play checkers by telegraph too it's actually fucking harder than chess by telegraph there's a lot more coordination and yet so fucking what if they're kids alright two, at 2pm two sharp a car drives up in the parking lot of he's in by Wyndham <laughs> There's no driver. It's a tachyon. Top of the line. Model Mick. <laughs> you load in your gear and sit in there. According to the instructions, you simply announce your destination, and it automatically takes you there. To Tachyon Enterprises headquarters and dormitory, please. You hear a muffled voice from inside the front compartment go, I... <laughs> the journey is uneventful, though the car stops three times to refuel on whiskey. After an hour, you reach the Tachyon Industries Laboratory grounds. Wrought iron gates bearing the words Tachyon Laboratory swing open as if by magic to let in the model myth. Heading to the main building, you pass elaborate topiaries in the shapes of Tachyon's greatest achievements. The driverless carriage, the mop powered by coal, not estrogen. And now, a rocket ship. The car pulls up for the front entrance of an imposing, yet nondescript concrete building. It's four stories tall, massive, the size of three airplane hangars. It's almost intimidating how functional and industrial it appears on the outside. The only thing that gives the building any character is a massive banner from the roof to ground level bearing the name, stylized of course, Tachyon. A late 30-ish man with slick back hair wearing a corduroy blazer holding a pipe greets you at the car. <clears throat> I'm Walter. Walter Mathau. <laughs> we spoke on the phone. I'm the head of public relations here. It's my pleasure to welcome you, gentlemen, to Tachyon Lab. Greetings, Mr. Mathau. It is our, our privilege and honor to, uh, to visit you here today and receive this complimentary tour of your most wondrous facilities. Mr. Musk, as well, is quite excited. Well, he's running a little bit late. As you know, he's a very busy man. Well, here he's a very, you know, he's an intelligent man. And if he's a fan of our, you know, radio program, it's a good chance he's a pretty high intelligence quotient. Walter leads you inside to a massive atrium. Fellas, please pay attention for this part. It's quite important. There are armed guards, lab-coated scientists, all of whom are Caucasian and bearded everywhere. The first thing you notice is a series of transparent pneumatic tubes winding all around the atrium, rapidly carrying scientists through the building. You see a scientist get deposited nearby from a tube. He walks over to a huge ball pit and dives in, joining other scientists in childlike play. 
And in another part of the floor, you see two scientists playing Hoop and Stick Five, even though it's not out yet. Oh Walter sees you staring at it and says, "Yep, we got the alpha version." Enoch is close friends with Tajiro Hajima and gets to play all his games years before they come out. Walter leads you past a bouncy house, a row of hammocks, and a cordoned-off area splattered with paint where two scientists are dancing erratically. Walter explains, This is our do-whatever zone. It's a place for our engineers to just be themselves and go cuckoo banana pants. Because being simply epic is a big part of who we are at the Tachyon family. I feel looking at uh, sort of walls that are just splattered with paint in sort of an erratic uh, fashion is triggering my modernist art uh, phobia. Ooh. Hmm. Good point. Make a sanity roll. Oh, wow. I passed it. Wow. Too. Wow. I maintain my sanity even looking at that horrible Well done. You look at art. it and you're like, not today. Not today, <laughs> demon. <Sorry. laughs> uh, Walter keeps leading you. Uh, as I said, Enoch is running a little late for your interview, but to make it up, he's offered to personally conduct your tour. In the meantime, gentlemen, may I interest you in a drink? He gestures to a gleaming chrome bar with red leather stools. He motions for you to sit down. He says, what'll it be, boys? I'm going to huddle. I'm going to huddle with the members. We got a show show. huddle here. Yeah, okay. So, I I know that we all really like Mr. Enoch Moss, but... I don't know what's going on here. Like the looks of these men. Before we accept anything from them, I would like to try to talk to them in their language to try to get something, figure out what's going on here. Okay, I I, I agree, Colonel Cumtree. Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, all right. I turn to the turn to the very epic gentleman. Uh, no thanks. I'm actually sober. I have a kid. Oh, oh how old is your uh, lad? You know, like a few months. Okay. <laughs> You know, like how old kids are, you do it in like months. Doctor, uh, uh, Doctor Hackenbush, Doctor uh, uh, Penny Farthing. All right. Um. Yes. One drink, please. Uh, he smiles, listening to that, uh, and then calls out, three spunks, Johnny." A bartender emerges from a set of double doors. He pulls on a tap connected to a series of brass pipes leading out of the room and fills three mugs with a frothy white substance and serves them to you. I'm having a vision. I'm having a vision. Uh, like 90 years in the future, there's a bar that resembles this. And it's, call, it's called Scallywags. And its motto is, drink like you give a damn. Except the A in damn is an asterisk. <laughs> I'm feeling this awful vision of the future. I you feel it. it because there's already a banner in the cafeteria that reads, drink like you give a damn. Oh! Except it says darn, but the A is still in the uh, still up. <laughs> oh, God. I feel a chill go down my spine. This is some sort of ghostly, ghoulish apparition of the future that we have. Mathal says, drink up, gents. Okay. I'll just, I'll, I'll have, I'll, I'll, I'll quaff my, my thirst from this frothy, um, just sort of milky, uh, viscous beverage. Matt and Felix? Yeah, fuck me up. All right. I'm not going to drink. I'm the only one. You know, thinking, thinking with a full head of brain here, but uh, he smiles at you and says, "All right, sir, you're not thirsty. You're not thirsty, but I do have to ask you to put that ether rag back in your pocket. This is medicinal. I'm an epic I veteran. Would have to. Ask I am an you, epic veteran. I would have to ask you. It's not my policy. 
hits the company's policy. He taps his cane. He's a cane guy. He's got a cane. Ooh, ooh, okay. All right. Um, I would like to attempt to, fool, like, I want to make a big scene. <laughs> <laughs> I want to, you know, imply that I will create a huge, huge problem on the big uh, telegram, the central telegram service, uh, Teleger. <laughs> about how this company okay. won't, won't, won't let veterans use their ether rags. Okay. Uh, he gets the impression you're about to cause a big scene, and he just tries to placate you as best as possible. You know what? Our ethos here is do whatever. Maybe you want to just go to the do whatever zone. I would love to go to the do whatever zone. It sounds like it's for cool adults. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Felix says to the do whatever zone. Uh, the two of you take big swigs of the uh, frothy white beverage. How much do you drink? I chug that shit. <clears throat> its taste and texture reminds me of uh, a black and tan. The drink name for the uh, uh, <laughs> the irregular militias that unfortunately couldn't prevent the uh, formation of an independent Ireland uh, but a few years earlier. Here's the deal. Uh, Professor Hackenbush, the beverage is saccharine. It's almost too sweet. The texture is thick. It's a substantial beverage, to be sure. Just having a sip of it makes you feel full, almost. Like you've eaten a meal. Dr. Penny Farthing. You chug the entire thing. Mm-hmm. You feel pretty good, actually. Mm-hmm. You open your eyes. Oh, yeah. It's already colorful in here, but mm-hmm. the colors seem a bit brighter yeah you're feeling really excited oh. about being in tachyon labs oh, i'm feeling it. and getting to see all the cool stuff oh, your hero so cool. enoch musk has invented oh it's amazing the you, human mind is capable of so much you know you've got to record this episode of your premium radio show but you you hope there's some time for you to check out that ball pit or or 1v1 someone at hoop and stick five yeah, I mean, I just want to I want to live. I want to live in all of this amazing splendor. The two of you look around you. You notice there are other scientists at the bar, all of whom are drinking the same beverage, and they seem to really enjoy it. You see one scientist go up to the bar and ask uh, Johnny, the bartender, what's on tap today? Well, we got super sweet rainbow unicorn cotton candy spunk. Scientist's eyes grow large. His mouth opens wide. He goes, "Ooey gooey!" Ah! They're making that horrible face again. Every, uh, uh, not Felix, but the two of you make spot hen rolls. I, I fail miserably. I failed mine miserably. Two fails. You just see people around you drinking the same milky white beverage. A female secretary walks over. As she passes the various scientists in the bar cafeteria area, they all avert their gaze, staring at their shoes. She tells Walter, Sir, you have an urgent call from Will Rogers. He's threatening to call the rocket bunk. (laughs) Walter says to you, Please excuse me. I have to take this. I'll be back in two gifts. In the meantime, make yourself at home. He heads over to one of those pneumatic tubes and hops in. Then shoots away to another part of the building. Felix, you head over to the do-whatever zone. Uh, there's two guys there. They're not wearing shoes. This is a playpen. This what? is a playpen for adults. 
all right. So it's pretty cool then. All right. Um, what do you do there? I go do up you- to them. I go. I can tell you. I can tell you. Roused about sons of bitches. Work hard on your science contraptions, but you play equally hard on your fun contraptions. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Hey, you don't work here, but you're welcome to be yourself in this zone. This all is right. the B zone. All right. I immediately take up my ether rack then. Yeah, you're going hog wild on either right there. Nuts. I'm going cuckoo banana pantaloons on it. Those two gentlemen are making that face, you know, that face of both surprise and elation. The sister face. When they uh <laughs> see when they see you take the ether rag out, uh you get the kind of vibe that they wanna be judgmental because you're hitting it really hard and it's like three PM. It's okay, I was in the army. I was a pilot, actually. They're not saying anything. You're just saying that to them. And they're like, all right, I'm going to put my shoes on and leave this area. I'm okay. done being. All right. All right. I got to get back. I got to get back to work, friend. All right. So now the B zone, the cool adult <laughs> exploration zone is totally unoccupied except for me. Right? Yes. All right. I'd like to investigate this ca- this cacophony of epicness. Make sure a, a boxing arena. And uh, there's ropes there. Uh, it's clear that you can be yourself within the limits of these ropes. Paint splattered everywhere. Uh, people have just been doing all kinds of wild stuff there. All right. Uh, I'd like to go up to where the paint splatter is. Are there any... It's all over, yeah. Are, are there any consistent patterns? Any words written out here? No. It's just a lot of splatter and finger painting. But there are a series of messages written there. Uh, that appear to be affirmations. They say things like, I'm still with you, John W. Davis. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right, well, I really like this. This reminds me of my affirmation book. As you look at the affirmations, you feel a tap on your shoulder. May I have the pleasure of knowing who is touching me? You turn around and you see three scientists with their hands covering their mouths. They look excited. Why? Okay. I'm assuming they're making the, the cool face. They're not because their hands are covering their mouths. But they want But their to. eyes look quite giddy. So, like, yeah, they want their... They're... The one in the middle says to you, Excuse me. Are you Felix Cumtree from Capone Speakeasy? Um, yes, I am. They all instantly go ah okay oh okay. i'm gonna need you guys omg we are your biggest fans we have been premium radio subscribers since 1923 okay that's what i like to hear that's what keeps me having a top of line telegraph machine to play checkers on <laughs> by the way read the checkers play-by-play we're working out really hard another one of them says we all post on your message board he points to a cork board in the cafeteria where there are messages in our work. That's great, guys. I actually got started, you know, posting on a message board myself. Oh, we know. Yeah. Um, so, wow, that's I didn't expect listeners to be working at this company. That's pretty cool. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> fans over here? Of course, so many of us are fans of you. So what do you guys do here? I work in the driverless car division. Uh, Mike here works in the uh, womanless mob division. <laughs> Steve's trying to get that submarine to work, but uh, hey, good luck, Steve. Ah. So, ah. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
So, um, how about that rocket shit yesterday? Pretty fucked up, huh? Ah, uh, don't know what happened there. Uh, Enoch, his designs are always great, and uh, they're pretty. Jeez, I can't believe I'm saying this, but they're pretty much the bee's knees. Oh, don't yeah, don't let uh, don't let humanoid resources hear you say that. Uh, <laughs> but you know what they say? Uh, science is freaking hard. Yeah, it is. It is. 100%. I did science in the army. I was an army scientist. We know. We edit the public book about you <laughs> at the library. We're all editors there. Let's just say that for a future episode, I would kind of want to know more about the rocket. Where would I go here? What, what, what do I got to look at, fellas? It's just between, you know, you're not my fans at this moment. We're friends, right? We've always been friends. You're my friends because you listen to the radio program. When you That's say that, they look at each other and go, Ah! <laughs> we're friends with Felix Cumtree. That's right, you are. He said it. You guys are my friends. I wish I had my phonograph recorder here. <laughs> Me too. I wish I did too, to capture this moment. Felix, uh, you should just tell them that you and your cousin fucked Marie Curie at one point. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, between friends... Where might I find some uh, rocket information? We're not in that division. You'll have to talk to Enoch. All right. Do you know where Enoch is? Probably either in the rocket area or in his office. I don't know. We haven't seen him in a while because, you know, he's been working on that freaking cuckoo pants. <laughs> that freaking cuckoo banana pants rocket over there. All right. So between friends, I... That wing ding bees knees rocket... All right, so I may as well just go to Enoch now. I'm 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 overhearing uh, Lieutenant Colonel Cumtree talk to talk to the fans, but then I did hear that these are the fans that were editing our public book at the library. <laughs> yes. And they as well, you hear they post on the message board in the room. Uh, if you're very narcissistic, you can check it out. Well, I'm not going to say I'm not. So I'd like to check the public message board as part of my weird masochistic fetish. You amble over there. Uh, here's what you find. Pinned up fan art depicting the three of you as pregnant. Uh, cool. With Decrecio as the father. Uh, you read a couple of the uh, written posts. Uh, they're all handwritten. And they're incredibly mean to you. Uh, things like... William Hackenbush mispronounced another word on the September 3rd broadcast. He's an absolute dotard. I hate him, and I hate this show, and I'm not going to give them my nickels anymore. <laughs> or, well, the show is funny, but the guys are clearly progressives who are too cowardly to embrace Bolshevism and the propaganda of the deed. <laughs> I hate them, and I hate this show. I'm going to keep listening, though. Again, I'm just really thinking about what that Derringer would look like, uh, firing a very small uh, pellet-sized bullet. Uh, no, actually, I, I should be saying this. I'm As any normal person would think. Yeah, no. I will. I want to put a pin in that and say to uh, Doctor Penny Farthing, uh, you drank this substance. You feel really good about everything. Mm. Uh, you feel really epic about everything. Oh yes. Uh, what do you want to do in this whole zone full of scientists and <sighs> futurism? I just want to go around and ask everybody to tell me something I don't know to blow my mind to expand my mind. To give me just a, a portal into the, the future. Dr. Penny Farthing, you elbow a gentleman at the bar and say, Hey, expand my mind. Tell me about the future. 
He turns to you. His jaw is very slack. The bottom of his jaw is nearly on the bar. Exposed are his green teeth. He has a he has a full mug of the milky white substance in front of him. He, with whatever facial muscles he has left, lifts up the ends of his mouth in a grotesque parody of a grin, and then pours the entire mug into his jaw. He looks like a python about to eat large mammal. I mean, I'm waiting for him to blow my mind. What, what's what's <laughs> that, That's fine, but he hasn't told me anything. I will say you're safe from the sanity loss with your <laughs> uh, long history of experimentations on humanity. Yeah, I mean, show me, show me something I haven't seen before, buddy. How about that we're all made up of stardust that God uh, <sighs> created and then sent to this planet. All right, whatever. And Forget about it. you full of freaking- Never mind. I lost my high. I don't give a shit anymore. Fuck this. I'm feeling a little bit nervous about the uh, the violent fantasies I had about people who were editing our public book at the library. I know I should watch myself as I'm currently embroiled in a lawsuit with one of Calvin Coolidge's press secretaries. <laughs> <laughs> now what? Let's just uh, let's go talk to Enoch Musk. A few minutes yeah, yeah. later, armed guards uh, approach you all individually and say, Musk is ready to see you. All right. Okay. You're shoved into pneumatic tubes that deposit you in the center of Musk's office. The floors here are covered in plush scarlet red carpet. Musk sits at an imposing desk cast in luminous chrome. There's an assortment of curios around the office. Some of them on bookshelves, some in glass cases, some of themselves the size of furniture pieces. Uh, a couple of them. There are various small-scale models of Musk's inventions, rocket prototypes, the driverless car, the screen door submarine. There is a massive pendulum hanging from the ceiling that swings back and forth behind Musk's desk and chair. Tick. Musk himself is at his desk. Greets you. Seems a little distance. Oh, hello, Capone boys. Very cool to meet you. I'm super busy, so why don't we get started? You can set up over there. Um, let's let's set up our um phonographic recording material, and and begin the interview. How about I start by complimenting uh, Enoch Musk? I'll say. Hey, awesome pendulum, dude. It's just like that Edgar Allan Poe story. He's an author and troubled soul. You set up all the microphones. You start interviewing him. He goes, Don't you usually engage in some amusing banter to warm up at the commencement of your uh, program? Usually, Dr. Williams, the showrunner, kind of, but uh, I can tell he's a little nervous right now. I'm going to try to get us started. Okay, you ready? Dr. Hackenbush, I usually say something along the lines of... Uh, Hello, 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 Jupiter's Beards. Greeting and salutations <laughs> to all the listeners there in Telegraph land. This is your Capone speakeasy for this fortnightly uh, cycle of the moon. I hope you're listening, unless you're a woman. Ha ha ha. Just kidding. They don't listen. We would not let them. Anyway, guys, we're going to be taking on the bonus army today. That bunch of fucking, lo- <laughs> that bunch of fucking losers. Hey, guys, you didn't decisively win Europe. And we didn't get anything in Africa. Quit complaining. How are you? How are you? How are you fellows enjoying California? 
Um, I, I find the weather uh, quite pleasant. I find the, uh, the, uh, the food stands of which I can go in and out of to be quite different than uh, those available in New York City. Yeah, I am really missing my accoutrements right now. Um, I would, I'm not at my, my desktop telegraph checkers gaming station that has pretty reliable, uh, telegraph speed. <laughs> Are the, I, uh, uh, gymnasia here insufficient? No. Okay. And there, there aren't even, there aren't even enough guys in turtlenecks that you can throw medicine balls at. It fucking sucks. They don't have a weaker. I want to fucking kill myself. They don't have the gigantic barbells that are just like. Two massive spheres that say 100 lbs on yeah. each one. Yeah, uh, dude, and their fucking triangle weights only go up to 50 lbs. And there was a guy there when you were trying to do Olympic style lifts, uh, wearing a uh, who has like a big handlebar mustache, showing off and improperly doing the lifts. Yeah, yeah, he was using the Olympic lift platform. There like aren't enough Chinese in the bathroom. It sucks. <laughs> I don't like it, dude. Well, I believe this is the point where your opening banter segues into uh, theme musical. We hear the theme music. All I want to be is Al Capone. Okay. okay. Musk uh, really loves this. Like, you look at his face and he's like, he's brightened up. He's really <laughs> happy to do this interview. <laughs> okay. Enoch Musk. We are joined now by Enoch Musk. Oh, ho, ho. Oh, I'm a little nervous being in the speakeasy, so to speak, easy. Do you want to hit an ether real quick? Well, I don't partake myself. What about the jazz cigarette? What about the opium? Hey, now, hey, gentlemen, I understand the body nature of your program, but let's not discuss illegal narcotics here. I understand we're not as big as the Joseph Rogaine show, but, you know, whatever. We're in a, we're, for, so right off the bat, we're, we're thrilled to be with you here today. You know, you're a big fan of us. We're a big fan of you. Um, but, you know, just right off the bat, got to ask you, yesterday at the World's Fair, uh, your comments, sir. Don't believe everything you read in the spiteful media, how disdainful they are of the core truths of the matter. The media doubted my brilliance for years. Now I am the most successful genius alive. Yes, but it doesn't. I mean, we were there, sir. So what? Well, it did not require uh, the media telling us of the conflagration. We witnessed it firsthand. We were trampled. I lost four points of damage, sir, in the trampling. So I know for a fact that this happened. Everybody was everywhere. That's no big thing to brag about your location. Well, so what if there is a little bit of property damage? Property is, in a way, fictional. And human damage, sir. Well, look, there's some lives, but there were no human Caucasian lives that were lost. Clearly, though, this was not the desired effect of the rocket. But it was. You don't understand rocketry. You don't understand science. Let me expound upon it for you. You get your information from the bulletin boards, from the idle gawkers and kibitzers. Okay. The science of my witness, the science of someone's floor shine crushing my face, that's the science that I observed, sir. I was there when it happened. Doctor, doctor, I am deeply upset about your injuries. Perhaps I can make it up to you with a peace offering. Would you care for a barrel of spunk? I would rather have frank answers to my queries, sir. Sometimes a sacrifice must be made for the sake of progress. We learned very much from that exhibition. For instance, which direction the rocket must go in towards space is what we learned. Such is the nature of science, trial and error. Your interests were not in vain. 
for they contributed to the greater understanding of men of science. Mr. Mr. Musk, um, what what is your goal here? Should should the rocket um, work and not crash back into Earth, um, killing hundreds of uh, properties? What, 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 what is your goal here? What's, what's the end game here for if you're sending the rocket to slip these heavenly bonds? What's the end game? Uh, to send a man into the heavens. Is there anything more than that that you should want? Is that not enough for you? To slip the surly bonds of Earth. Is that not cool? Well, I mean, I just, for me personally, it makes me obviously very cool. I'd love to, to shoot a rocket. Do you want it to copulate with you as well in the missionary position as all human beings are known to make well, love? Let's, let's leave my sister Sonia out of this. But um, <laughs> when you are essentially meddling with things in the celestial sphere, do you not worry that it could awaken um, certain certain entities, certain ancient beings like Cthulhu, Yogg-Sogoth, or Thandos? Balderdash. Uh, did, did Noah meddle with the great beings in the construction of his ark? No. He, like me, merely served God. Uh, what about the moon, though? What about the moon? What, I mean, would you want to go to the moon? Could we, put a, could we put a man on the moon? Obviously, we can. We can put a man on the moon. We will put a man on the moon. We will put the city on the moon. We will mine the moon for valuable bauxite and bring it back to Earth as repayment for our benevolent lordship over the moon. What about a blood moon, sir? Oh, blood, blood moon. Okay, blood moon. What about it? You're talking about astronomical phenomenon. It's just an eclipse based on the position of the sun and your shadow. But also the, the name of the, the single on the best-selling phonograph of your, your paramour slimes. Is she interested in the blood moon? <laughs> oh, how she loves that moon. The day I met her, I promised the moon. Perhaps it's the stench of ether emanating from your co-hosts so thick. It's quite thick. It's to the point that you should not be alive. Well, yeah, there's a lot of ways I couldn't have been alive. But the scent emanates to the extent that I can tell your listeners that I intend to wed my beloved science chippy on the moon. Imagine that. Perhaps you are jealous, sir. Oh, how your sweetheart must be craving. You cannot wed her on the moon, but I can. Well, I mean, she, she has a very fetching look. A look of a victim of tuberculosis or cholera. Someone who's dirty. Yeah. Sorry, uh, Mr. Mr. Musk, but we have to get this in. Do you hate it when anarchists kill your mailman? <laughs> <laughs> Go to Hearst Shipping to ship a package. <laughs> the only shipping company that are protected by Pinkertons. Don't you hate when your Pony Express rider comes to you and he's got five arrows in his back? Don't you hate that shit? <laughs> Folks, don't you wish that you had the inside information on the 1919 World Series? Well, today you can. Go to our betting bulletin. Bet these socks now. Bet these socks now. That's the Black Sox Bulletin, which gives you all the insider information you need to fix the next World Series. Let me say that uh, I may have failed in my attempts to increase male sexual vigor by transporting goat testicles into the human scrotum, but my colleague, Dr. John Brinkley in Kansas, has perfected it. And I say that to anyone here who is seeking a more robust sexual reaction to their fair spouse, 
to travel to Kansas and to have goat testicles emplaced in their scrotum by Dr. John Brinkley. Musk goes into a sort of reverie. He looks out in the distance. Slimes. Oh, Madame Slimes. My beautiful QT 3.14. She gives me butterflies in my silly place. Oh, oh. I just got the 3.14 thing. I just got it. Oh, how I admire that Tushy. On the night of the rocket, I will finally, I mean, I, I will again. <laughs> you can imagine the sort of launch that will transpire in my quarters. A similar sort as the rocket, indeed. <laughs> Looks like we're getting a world exclusive. Mr. Mr. Enoch Musk is going to get his own special goop, that slime goop. Well, when you have, hey, the, the best narcotic is a narcotic of love. And and Mr. Musk, the slimes like, yeah. partake in any spirits or narcotic reveries. I don't know what slimes does between the hours of eight anti meridian and eleven post meridian, but I certainly trust my heckin' sugar plum to maintain her continence. Have you ever seen her interacting with any of your machinery, the rocketry, or the scientists who produce said? Oh, she goes down and she sings to the scientists, and they love hearing her sweet voice. Yeah, so these katanas, they're pretty cool, right? They were designed by Tachyon engineers. Traditional Nipponese katana body folds steel one million times to forge a blade. My engineers folded it one billion times. The steel comes from a melted-down Pullman rail car. It can cut through anything, even diamonds. Super cool, yeah? Sir, this is simply epic. Watch. He ungracefully swings the katana in a clumsy arc at a cardboard cutout of Greta Garbo, lopping the head off. (laughs) As he makes each swing, he goes... It is so strong. It doesn't seem like a heavy sword, but he acts like it. This is all really cool, right? It's it's phenomenally cool, but like it seems just, you know, talking to the people here at Tachyon and doing a little research, you know, I actually do do work for the radio show a little bit, but in doing a little bit of research uh, for the radio program today, it does seem that things really took off for you in the year 1922. Um, could you speak about your, your anything about your life before the year 1922? I have always been a genius, even before then. But what changed in 1922? Was it meeting slimes? Yes, I met my gorgeous tiny honey widget in 22. Oh, and if you could know the innumerable times we have conjugated, well, they wouldn't be innumerable nowadays. Where, uh, where did you meet her? What were the circumstances of your first encounter? Oh, thank God. I feel like I was fucking dying out there, dude. Thank you. <laughs> I met her at the nadir of my life. I was being castigated by every wag and farceur in the yellow press. And there she was, a five-foot-four-inch angel who floated down to me from heaven by way of Calgary. Although it seems like an odd pairing, me, a middle-aged man of genius, her, a brooding young gothic nightingale, ours is a love written in the stars. From the moment we met, Slimes has been utterly infatuated with not just my heart, but my mind. Whoa. Oh, man. I'm not trying to get us banned from airwaves. This is getting pretty hot and heavy. What? Uh, so, you know, next week you're going out to the desert. You're doing, you know, take two on, on the rocket. Yes. And perhaps this is the ether talking, but you guys seem super cool overall. And you are making me look really cool on your radio show. That's what, oh, yeah. Everyone's going to hear this and think, what a cool guy. 
You want to see the rockets, don't you? Oh, absolutely. Oh, love, the one that hasn't blown up. I mean, and... that was the test rocket. I've already explained this to you. It was supposed to blow up, so we may learn the effects of rockets blowing up. That is basic science. How many times must I explain how science works? You utter fucking buffoon. <laughs> but I like you. I mean, this guy just like I feel like he's just came into our Capone mansion and is telling me it smells like cat piss and nerds and shit. Like he's he's pointlessly antagonistic. He's making all of our fans get very anxious about the fans this. Hate this <laughs> fucking they episode. hate conflict. It makes them very, 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 very worried. And, yeah, know, he's, okay. he's trying to argue with me about James Coughlin. <laughs> Charles Coughlin. Charles okay, Coughlin. Very bad. This, this interview is fucking going yeah, to the sucks tubes. Sucks tubes. I don't know what Awful. to do. Uh, this guy, this guy uh, uh, sucks human hindquarters through a pneumatic tube. This is why we hire Chris. I'm, 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 I'm trying here. I'm, I'm, I'm right, really right, fucking right, trying. Right, right, he, right, he, doctor, is, doctor. he is, he is, he is a laudanum pill. Doctors, he is doctors. awful. Quit this conference. I'll show you my rocket. Then you can see and you can convey this to your audience of very cool people and they will know how cool it is because of your conveyance. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, thank you for... This is probably one of the best ones we've done, right, guys? Yeah, no, seriously. Enoch Musk, uh, honestly, thank you so much for your time. This was uh, honestly a five-star episode and I think our fans are going to be super excited it's to hear it. It's the best episode you've ever done. I anticipate so many laudatory message board postings about this radio. Sir, they, they'll be mad when you're not on the show. Uh, he has you break down your recording device. And he ushers you into a tube. You're deposited at the end of a long hallway. Enoch uh, arrives last. He falls upon you. You're in a long windowed hallway overlooking the R&D lab. Lab is one floor below you. As you walk down it, led by Enoch, it's bathed in red light. There are row after row of sweaty, bearded scientists working on various pieces of technology. They're soldering, sawing, wiring, that sort of thing. They're sweating immensely. It's actually kind of nice in the tube, but you feel very, like... You almost feel hot looking at all these guys who are sweating like shit, wearing heavy layers of lab coats. It's tough labor, but the engineers appear happy about it. They periodically make that same face of surprise and delight. Some of their jaws hang so loosely that they lie folded on the workbenches. Their yellowed and capped teeth fully exposed, lights of sparks flickering off them. Enoch is leading you down the hall. Yeah, this is where my guys put together the technology that I designed. It's uh, just uber super, yeah. yeah it, this is this is so uber. This is uber uber mensch, Mister Musk. Everyone make a spot hidden roll. Fail. Uh, pass. Pass. You do pass, Matt. Uh, roll a one d four and lose that much sanity. Sanity points. Two. Matt lose two. Felix and Will lose one sanity point. As you walk down the hallway, you look down on the rows of. Essentially, uh, slave labor engineers. And you see something very weird. Some of the materials that they're working on float and pulsate as if they're organic? Like a like a beating heart. Dave, do you want to add anything to that? It's like if there's two pieces of rocket material next to each other, sort of like veins, but of metal and 
rubber extend from the pieces and they bond together almost like cells melding That's what you like see. there's some biomechanical technology at play here not anything you've ever seen in a conventional factory or owned before this reminds me of the silent films of David Cronenberg uh, where I've, I've never seen technology like this Mr. Musk uh, could you explain why why the metal is pulsating like a human heart or intestines yeah so I designed all this myself well I mean that's nice but how did you create metal that defies all physically understood properties of metal you don't know it's like to be a genius you have these ideas that are so brilliant and they want to escape your brain like Athena being born from the mind of Zeus but you want to keep your brain children inside of you because they are your precious idea baby. But how did you turn those ideas into reality, sir? What was the mechanism? We are men of science. We will understand your explanation. By describing them to my subservience. So basically by mad capering jabber that has no relation to anything. You are not even responsible for your own innovation. How dare you, sir? You cannot describe your own innovations then you are nothing but a loudmouth fraud. Sir, you are out of line. I invite you to my campus. I invite you and your cool pals to see my innovations and hang out with me and to be my friend. And this is how you repay the favor? Surely this is not how you treat all of your guests. Well, I mean, it kind of is, yeah, but, you know... Uh... You did not treat Margaret Sanger like this. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um... Can we just see some more of the rocket? You walk down the walkway, Dr. Pennyfarthing screaming at Enoch uh, all the while. The a hallway ends and opens up onto a catwalk above, above a massive silo, at the center of which is another rocket, the final rocket that's going to be launched in a few days' time. It's identical to the test rocket, except it's twice as large, about 100 feet tall, it's a monumental object. Enoch m- beams with pride. Behold, Eche rocket. Bum, 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 bum. Can you believe this cradle of my imagination will, in less than one week's time, bear your friend Charles into space and return him safely to the Earth? Yeah, I'd like to inspect the rocket closer. I can also offer you a cardboard cutout of the rocket through an aperture in which you can have your daguerreotype taken, perhaps wearing a genuine space helmet. I'd certainly like to do that. I'd like to get a closer look at the rocket and uh, just sort of wrap this whole thing up. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, you've given us some great radio, sir. Which is, you know, uh, everyone, make a, everyone make a spot hidden roll. Uh, OO is I, I zero, passed. right? Zero, nine, I passed. Here's what you see. Uh, you're standing on like a catwalk above the uh, main rocket silo. Underneath a bunch of the scientists, like the ones you've seen earlier, but they are very warped. Like, their jaws don't open anymore. Like, those muscles don't exist. They just have slack jaws, uh, beard hair surrounding their mouths. <laughs> They seem like they're about to pass out at any second, except they don't, because periodically their mouth, which is already slack, 
grows just a little bit bigger and their eyes bug out. Their, their retinas grow big. They have some excitement in what they're doing, even though they've been pushed far past the brink of humanity. You also see a man down there who immediately attracts your attention because he's wearing this fluorescent garb. His shirt is bright pink. His pants, bright green. He has a... His hair is a blonde triangle. Like the fin of a shark or a cockatiel's crest. He walks in a very elaborate way. He has bow legs. He has one hand, one muscular, powerful hand extended forth. Oh the God. other is angled. Oh my God. Also, big biceps. This. In a certain way. This is the fabled Chadwick. A figure of untrammeled masculinity and, and testosterone. Uh, just a, a being of pure male energy. Next, he, to, next to Anubis, Isis, and Ra in hieroglyphic fonts on the tombs of the great pharaohs of Egypt. Such a figure was prophesied. Indeed, this man is the, he is the harbinger of masculine renaissance. And, but yet he's surrounded by all of these scientists who seem to have degenerated. Yes. There's some sort of like insmith like state sort of a, a a horrible mirror image of the chadwick this this sloping uh, hunched just homunculus figure they trot around as though they have never encountered the touch of a woman as though they were they were virgins they they walk around in the manner of a virgin and and their their virginal their virginal and, and grotesque and sad capering is only made more so by comparison to the robust and, and powerful gait of this Chadwick. Dr. Benny, I think it's particularly unusual to you to see all of these uh, very downtrodden scientists be bossed around by a man who is at least one foot taller than all of them. Massive, powerful. He exudes a confidence that none of you have ever experienced in your life. It, it indicates a, a new and hellish realm where physical prowess has totally replaced mental acuity in the social hierarchy. The man does not appear to be a scientist. He doesn't, be, he doesn't appear to be a man of the mind. Exactly. The mind has been destroyed. The, man, the mind has been made the, the, the grotesque supplicant of, of this, this grotesque display of Yeah, brawn. it's not Enoch. It's not Slimes giving orders there. It's this man. And frankly, you all look at him and you are either intimidated or seduced. I'll let you decide which. Uh, I, for one, am deeply seduced. <laughs> I, I find his, 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 uh, his assertive masculinity to be a bracing tonic to the increasingly uh, weak-willed sort of pageantry of, of impotence that one sees in, in civilized culture. I, I find it to be uh, reckoning back to, to prehistoric norms of, 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 of physical uh, power and, and dominance 
asserting themselves over any sort of raw and mewling intellectual in, uh, powers. And, and I, I desire to follow him. You observe the powerful big ox of a man, the big bear of a man down there. Mm, quite intimidated. Uh, <clears throat> Enoch says to you, uh, Oh boy, it's been quite a day. I'm bushed, but I like you. You, you think I'm cool, right? I think you're very cool, you're Mr. One Musk. Of the coolest people we've ever met. I think you're cool, too. What do you say we go up to my room for some cigars and whiskey? As masculine, cool types like us enjoy. Mm, I love oh, epic I, whiskey. Yeah. Let's, I, I, it's like those photographs that one of your scientists was showing me earlier. We are sort of pals now, don't you think? Uh, I think so. 100%. I'll give you my uh, telegraph <laughs> number. Enoch leads you into another one of those other fucking tubes, and they deposit you in the middle of his bedroom. Okay. Here's what you see. First off, Enoch Musk's bedroom is incredibly messy. There's just fucking shit strung everywhere. First, you see something that he's clearly proud of. Check out my bed. Hop, hop, hop. You like it? Look at it. It's in the shape of a train, is it not? Uh, everyone make a spot hidden roll. Fail. Pass. Uh, I'm even with my spot hidden. Yes, I, I believe see. that's a pass. Okay. Uh, Felix and Will, uh, you notice that clearly only one side of his bed is slept in. Also, on his bed is a glorious Swanson body pillow. Uh, so, Mr. Must, this is where, uh... You and slimes, where the, uh, the, the the magic happens, would you say? Oh, yes, uh, absolument. We. Oui. I mean, that's interesting because it looks like um, the bed clearly only is only only one person sleeps in it, and there's there's a sort of anthropomorphized body pillow on the other side of it. Where does where does slime sleep? All right, I don't like that implication. First off, my squishy honeydew does not need to sleep here every evening. She is an unmarried woman, after all. She's a flapper. Say no more. Say no more. Second of all, Gloria Swanson, a great actress, shining star of stage and screen. I don't need to defend that at all now, do I? You don't have any body pillows in the shape of females? Is that what you're telling me, Professor? Gloria Swanson, a great actress of, uh, of silent film, or, or films as we call them now. Uh, we'll, we'll, she might say something like, I'm ready for my close-up, Mr. DeMille, in the future, which I have seen in one of my opium dreams. Okay, well, why don't you take a gander at this? It's super cool. Yeah, I love cool things. Uh, he opens a cabinet, and inside is every copy of Hoop and Stick. <laughs> wow! Like every single one. Uh, something else you all notice just by being there. There are tubes of Vaseline everywhere. The waste bins are full of crumpled tissues. There are erotic Japanese wall scrolls littered about the room. Uh, remember we encountered those in our, our, our mission into, to, into Baron Trump? Uh, wait, our, our, not our mission into boy. Baron Trump. Our mission into his, his domicile and apartment right. in New York you City. You also, and uh, gentlemen, pay attention to this. You also see a telegraph machine in one corner and around it are reams of communications, just crumpled up messages all around Dr. Benny Farthing, uh, you realize this. Enoch opens up his liquor cabinet. Uh, he uh, brings out a bottle of whiskey and says, This is one of the finest whiskeys. Pours you all glasses of it. 
You realize, however, that it is one of the poorest quality whiskeys in existence. Uh, swill. Mm. He also yeah. take he also takes out a pack of cigars and hands them all out. Ah. Uh, you realize that they are very low quality cigars. These are these are French cigars. This man is an uncultured rube. Mm. These are no, I'm sorry. These are these are Indo Chinese cigars. This, this is this is the tragic result of someone's money running ahead of his tastes, and it is unseemly in the mm. extreme. A Philadelphia Dutch Master, one of my favorite cigars on the market. He pours you all glasses of whiskey, and he. Lights one of the cigars, but he lights it from the wrong end. Uh, he uncultured rube. Coughs, coughs uh, you know, as he inhales <laughs> and says, <laughs> "I'm bringing back the art of being a gentleman. Any lad can have swagger, but we gentlemen, <laughs> we embody class." Yes, and uh, along those lines, I'd actually be interested in asking you about um, that sort of hulking behemoth walking about your rocket factory floor the very large gentleman who stood out from all of your other scientists oh, you mean chadwick he's a very good friend of mine chadwick <laughs> would he would he like to join us for cigars and whiskey oh no chadwick he keeps his own hours quite a busy fellow no time to enjoy the finer things in life <coughs> <coughs> But he's a cool guy too. This man, this man believes that his disgusting array of stogies and rotgut is the height of sophistication. He is clearly a rube. Someone is directing him. Someone is a puppeteer. And my would wager that it is this slime character. Uh, Musk coughs heavily, trying to smoke a cigar the wrong way. He takes one sip of the poor quality whiskey and immediately passes out. Uh, the three of you are in his bedroom alone. He's passed out. Now what? I, I, one... rifle, I rifle his pockets for any and all pertinent information. Good instinct. Doctor, you find VIP tickets to the uh, uh, exhibition of the main rocket, Nevada. Boys, it looks like we're going to Nevada. High five. And then we, oh, we we jump at the same time, and as our hands hit together in the air, we freeze ever so slightly for a few seconds. Blazing about the tickets are the words "Holocaust lad." Well, this is a disturbing development. <laughs> Holocaust, as we all know, is 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 ancient Greek for for all-consuming fire. Yeah, and yes. if they, if they did, you know, if someone was to do a Holocaust on Earth, it would probably be a hoax. <laughs> I mean, obviously. Yeah, yeah. No, wait, no, wait, 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 the word wait, 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 the word holocaust doesn't have the uh, uh, doesn't have the positive connotations yet that it will have in the next few decades. Flaming, uh, sort of a, a burning <laughs> man. Conflagration. Well, that's Musk. He's a showman, <laughs> and he's passed out. You're in the penthouse of the. Uh, uh, Musk, uh, the Tachyon Industries compound. Uh, anything you want to do while you're here? I mean, no. we need to rifle through every yeah, let's, surface let's we can a... find. Any any drawer? You find a lot find. of crumpled tissues. You do find a big uh, case full of uh, dolls. I don't know. Ki that's what kind of wait, What kind of dolls? These are garishly painted figurines, many of which are in their original packaging. Depicting what appears to be women from the worlds of cinema and cartoonery. 
Uh, one of which is an original Lillian Gish action doll. Uh, one of which is a first-run Fritzy Ritz. I mean, I, I'm aroused by them, and I would like to sort of satisfy my masculine urges in private, but here's a, you don't here's have a, time for that. Well, here's a Phyllis Wallet, uh, and her areolas are exposed. Oh, dear. I'm feeling quite flushed. Uh, I have to I have to fan my face to reduce my my physical excitement, but I must carry on and try to find some sort of pertinent information that might shed light on our investigation of the rocket failure. I mean, you are in the man's bedroom. Perhaps there's a limited amount of information here, considering, well, what I assume is uh, you think is a uh, is buffoonery. Is there any other? area that we can access while he is passed out an office perhaps you open up a uh, dresser drawer and dip your hand in and immediately your hand is just covered with tissue paper that's balled up uh, so this, he this, has a cold of some kind this gentleman has <laughs> he has an onanistic fever Apparently uh, he, he is he, a bit he, un- well. It's frankly a bit unusual, isn't he, it? He cannot cease from some stimulating himself. Well, generally. I know. Hang on, I thought he seems to be. I a, thought he was so virile. Well, he seems to be part of some sort of intellectual shadow society of people who imagine themselves to be um, great geniuses, but are in fact socially maladroit uh, masturbators and um, halfwits. The three of you make listen rolls, please. Pass. Pass. Uh, the two of you hear uh, <laughs> uh, feminine giggling coming from next door, next uh, room. Well, like if I hear a, if I hear a woman a giggling, I'm a coming and knocking, and I'm gonna actually not even gonna knock. I'm just gonna open the door. All right, what do you uh, what do you both do? We, I, I I I burst into the door to find the source of this uh, tittering. Absolutely, you, you go onto the hallway, you burst into the next door. Here's what you see. Uh, this is a bedroom, a master bedroom, but it's smaller than the master bedroom, but still, like, very well-appointed, very luxurious. Uh, <laughs> on the outside, before you burst the door, you see, uh, painting on it that says, no boys allowed. Well, I will, I, I you know, I, as I am a man and not a boy, uh, this, this signage of, is of no bearing on my, uh, intent. Indeed. You, I, you, I per- push through it heedlessly. You burst in and here's what you see. One is a woman sitting on the bed. We'll get back to her. The other is there's a bathroom adjoining, uh, uh, connecting this room where there is that same man you saw earlier, that same massive, powerful man. And he's wearing a, 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 a towel, you know, around his waist. But he still has on the neon uh, outfit. So he's not nude or anything. Oh, thank God. I might have fainted if I'd seen such a lewd act in public. The woman on the bed is looking at her and giggling, but they both turn to you when you barge into the room. <laughs> Greetings and salutations from the boys at Capone Speakeasy. Couldn't help but hear you uh, laughing in here and uh, just had to, had to uh, burst in unannounced and see what is going on, as is my you know, habit. Yo, what's up, Mac? What, are you trying to watch me crush some salmon? That's kind of dandy, yo. <laughs> uh, no, just uh, just a friend of uh, Mr. Musk is a friend of ours. Just we're 
What are you like his boyfriend or something? Well, no, I mean we're you know not not boyfriend per se, just you know an acquaintance of mine. We're here to interview him. Uh, we've been shipping some whiskey and uh, smoking his cigars, and just want to. Oh, you smoked his cigar, huh? Hold up, pause. <laughs> <laughs> just uh, you know, no, no, just if, yeah, I, I we, we shared uh, t- tobacco. Yo, 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 hold up, Mac. You little dwarflets gotta get out of here, man. Oh, oh, what? You three little tiny little dwarflets? You only like threes or fours. You cockums gotta hit the skids. I mean, w- were you working on the rocket earlier? We, I, I couldn't help but notice. I was, uh, I was watching you earlier. Not like I was like trying to watch you, but I, you know, I just I noticed you earlier working on the rocket, and I'm just interested. Yeah, you're really interested in working on a guy's rocket, ain't you? <laughs> I thought you work on getting the fuck out of here, huh? Oh, I'm not, I mean, it's just. A, Sounds like uh, there was you fun going stutter, on. As you stutter, he holds out his hand, and you feel yourself pushed out of the room <laughs> with a violent, invisible force. <laughs> the door slams, and you hear the latches lock. You also hear the giggling from slimes. <laughs> and you also hear, if you listen closely, per se, Who was that dork? He looked really pathetic. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> that that didn't go uh, how I, I wanted it to. Um, in the in the room, having experienced that, your like masculine energy levels go way low. I just I, I feel my jaw sort of falling down and my eyes lightening up, and just sort of a, you, some some somewhere deep inside me, almost like. Not my own voice, but the voice of an entity that is not myself just sort of produces this sound. Ah! <laughs> you, uh, you feel utterly emasculated. Just, this and is this is a new experience to me. I just I don't quite know that there's a word and you for think it. To your, and you think, no, I'm gonna go back there and I'm gonna give this fellow what's what. Yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna repair what's left of my masculinity. I don't know if you actually do it. Do you? Yeah, of course. I mean, that's that's what I would do in that situation. You go back to the door yeah. and you knock on it, but you knock on it quite insistently. Mm, rap, rap, rap. Uh, only the sound of bed squeaks and moans of orgiastic pleasure are heard from within. You know, I'm a I'm a man of the world, and uh, sounds like sounds like a man is uh, having a conversation with a woman in there. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like sounds like they're doing uh, suffragette things in there. Is that like a good old fashioned confab? Well, this conversation sounds like uh, it's pretty intense, and uh, maybe I should uh, go find my compatriots and uh, leave uh, this dormitory because honestly, like you know, I need to go back to the, the days in by Wyndham. Felix, uh, you've been back in Enoch's room uh, playing uh, uh, replaying Hoop and Stick Three. Uh, oh, and, this game never gets old. And uh, the best one in the series. but uh, you're playing by a telegraph, and you're losing to uh, children. <laughs> oh, dude, you are such a fucking fun word. <laughs> going, trying to going to the end of my board. Yeah, you're fucking lucky. This guy is shit connection. He's a fucking pussy. I hate him. I want to kill myself. Uh, Enoch's passed out. Perhaps it's time for you, gentlemen, to leave. I really need to go back to Days in by Window. Yeah, I love Days in by Window. <laughs> Despite, <laughs> despite the pervert, the despite pervert's the, visage the, that haunts yeah. that uh, that particular inn, 
We do love days in by Wyndham. You return via tube to the main atrium of Tachyon Labs. It's nighttime now, but the facility still brims with activity. Walter, the press secretary, finds you again. Gentlemen, I trust that was a prosperous interview with Mr. Musk. Uh, perhaps you can get the word out to your fans to come in person to the launch of the rocket, BlackRock. Okay. Yeah, I suppose we can plug that. You know, happy to, happy to help. I guess. I hate live music, dude. It's fucking Al li- Jolson concert. <laughs> Hurt my feet. Standing there. It, none of it sounds good on the records. There's nowhere to plug your telegraph, your portable telegraph machine into. Fucking sucks, dude. I feel like popular I, music is bullshit ever since Stephen Foster died. I feel like I've aged out of the live music experience. Like, there's no way I'm going to, like, be on my feet for three hours just to hear, like, a weird version of Camp Town Races that sounds different than the one that's in my head. <laughs> Go on to run all night. Go on to run all day. Bet my money on the bobtail nag. Somebody bet the bay. I just keep, keep that. Uh, Walter clears his throat and says... Well, it's getting late, and I'm sure you're uh, eager to get back to your accommodations. If you'll follow me, I have a driverless carriage to take you back to San Francisco. Ugh, finally. Fuck me. I fucking, this is the worst tour we've ever taken. This is the worst <laughs> decision we've ever made. You're on a desolate stretch of road from Palo Alto back to San Francisco. This area is quite undeveloped. You're on a cliffside overlooking San Francisco Bay. In the far distance by the shore, you see meatpacking plants, smelters, tool factories, all the signs of capitalist progress. You're tired from the day's investigations, sluggish from the whiskey that you drank in Musk's room. Some of you still feel the sting of emasculation from your confrontation with an alpha male. Not me. <laughs> I'm no, stung. I'm no. stung. I was, I was just baiting him. He's the real pussy. The onboard navigation system in your driverless carriage slurs. Roadblock reported ahead. Calculating alternate route. Your car crawls to a halt. There is some sort of impediment before you. Now what? Uh, I suppose we should... Uh... Get out and investigate this uh, impediment, but uh, not before I um, sing another verse from Camp Town Races. <laughs> the long tail filly and the big black boss, do da, do da. Can't touch a bottom with a 10 foot pole, oh, do do da day. All right, let's, let's check this Dude, out. Dude, that's a bop. <laughs> this fucking slaps. You get out of the car and inspect the impediment before you. It appears to be logs that have been placed. Oh, By gum, someone's trying to block our exit. This is this is quite suspicious. We better remove these as quickly as possible. You get to work removing the logs. The three of you make spot hidden rolls. I have a thirty-three. And my spot hidden is sixty. I pass. With flying crewers. I failed. Felix passes. Will fails. Um, Felix put a check mark in the little box next to spot hidden. I would love to. Uh, zero zero is a hundred, right? Oh, so that's a that's a good pass. That's a very good. Oh pass. yeah, yeah, yeah. Pass. Um, okay. Will, you continue your work unperturbed. I continue singing Camp Town Races, <laughs> the classic minstrel song. Felix and Matt, dude, however... Go, dude, <laughs> you're fucking spinning. Felix and Matt, however, you realize that something is amiss. You look around you, and you find, just in time to prepare, that there are men rapidly coming towards you. Uh, dude, oh, am, I, oh, am I seeing an unmarried woman? Because I'm sensing a miss. Something's a miss. There's six men coming. Two men are coming directly at you. Uh, directly they're wearing, on you. They're wearing all black. Uh, Felix, what do you do? All right, first, I'm going to, like, pump myself up. like to, like, battle jazz, white jazz. Just three bars. It's really quick. Face palming in paradise like my name is Captain Picard. I'm throwing up the crowd for getting hoisted by my own petard. 
21 on blackjack. Hit me with another card. All right, I'm ready. Okay, do you want to do a combat thing? Yeah, I do. I want to take out my pistol. Uh, I'll say you can get off one shot here. It's a Colt 1911, ivory handle, back when elephants weren't endangered, so you can't get mad at my guy. <laughs> That's a 27. Firearm handgun is 80. Okay, uh, roll for damage. The damage should be listed at the bottom of your sheet. The D3, What else? what's the... Uh... There's no D3, what... It says one D three sided dice. It's I don't know, dude. I don't. I, don't, I, don't, I didn't take geometry. Suck my. Dick, I assume man. that's a D eight. It says three, dude. There's no D. Yo, y'all are the real fucking idiots, I, dude. I fucking my dad was a dice maker. He could make it. Maybe y'all can't fucking make one. Y'all are the real fucking drug addicts. Okay, it says one D three on the sheet. <laughs> I'll let you roll a D. I'll, I'll let you roll a D eight there because that makes more sense. Okay, uh, use the D eight. It looks a little smaller than the D ten. It's this one. All right, I got a five. You fire a shot square into one of it's 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 dark out. It's very difficult to see, but you still manage to land a shot square in the center of this guy, and he doubles over. Uh, one shot, one kill. The six of them are going to take rounds now. Uh, the first one comes, and he tries to grapple you. You can only dodge here, I believe. Oh, yeah, no, I fell. Hard fail. Uh, how bad was the fail? Because he failed, too. 99. <laughs> you critical <laughs> fail. <laughs> I, like, I, I jump into his mouth. <laughs> He's swallowing me now like a boa constrictor. Okay, oh. well, uh, you see that his uh, his stance is utter is, is horrible. It's very poor. You you're really disgusted by it. Uh, you're more disgusted by the fact that you fuck up so badly that he does manage to grapple and immobilize you. Took an L. Tomorrow I bounce back. We're cutting up the bullshit like bacon on back fat. Now we go to my friend Matt. Uh, actually, first we'll go to Will. Uh, you, uh, they get a surprise attack on you, which is bad. No. You can only roll dodge here. What's your dodge? My dodge is 3-5. Uh, roll that. I, I miss it by two. Here's what happens. One guy comes and he mobilizes you, and then swiftly the second guy just knocks you out. The last thing you see is a hand coming to your eyes. Hey, see oh. them flying on a 10-mile heat. Do-da, do-da. Matt, two guys are trying the same thing on you. Uh, because you pass that spot hidden roll, you're aware of them, so they don't get a bonus attack on you. Uh, I'm fighting these motherfuckers. And, okay. And keep... being destroyed because I am an old, feeble idiot who made a terrible character. Okay. So we'll start with the first <laughs> one. Matt used a D3 to roll all his character attributes. Roll. <laughs> the numbers one through three. But here's the trade-off. If you try to fight back here, you forfeit your next action round. All right, fine, I'll die. Okay, it's your call. No, I want... And I'll let I, you... I have a terrible gun or a terrible weapon. I'm old. I need all the advantages I can get. So I want as many cha- chances as I can get. Okay, roll... Uh, we'll start with the first one. Roll your dodge. 67. On what? Fuck, 20. <laughs> oh, boy. Fortunately for you, he fails as well. What a pussy. For some reason in this game, I have an excellent credit rating, but almost no other uh, positive <laughs> attributes. That's true of most people in society who have that combination. The first guy fucks up. Uh, do you want to fight back or dodge on this next second guy? Let's dodge him, too. He's a pass. 69. Fail. That's uh, the epic number. He immobilizes you as well. Uh, you get the next action round. Uh, you are immobilized by this guy. You, He's got, like, your arms in a lock. Uh, you can try to get out of it. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. What was your build? Zero. You can try to get out of this. Three feet tall. (laughs) Made of fiberglass. (laughs) And I believe that the way to do that is to use... My bones are sponge sugar. (laughs) Matt, I believe that the way to do that... Zero is just standard. Um, 
uh, I believe that the way to do that is to, if you want to get out of this, roll your fight. Oh my god, I passed. Woo, let's go. Do-da, do-da. 21 on Ooh, what? 29. Sorry, he gets a 10 on 75, which is an god extreme pass. But damn it. Yo, that motherfucker bet on DeBay. No one likes you when you roll a three. <laughs> Felix, you're at this, the top of the round. Uh, yeah, you can pretty much all you can do is try to get out of this. All right, I'm rolling for just brawl. Okay. Yeah. That's an 80, so I like my odds. Oh, okay. You got a pretty good shot here. Oh, right, yeah, 47. Uh, you manage to uh, get out of his trap. Yeah, that's uh, right. Last year was practice. This year is the playoff. Suck my dick, dude. He's going to come back You're at you. You're the one with a fucking drug problem. He's going to come back at you, <laughs> as will the two other guys who just got done knocking out Will. They'll have better odds, uh, brawling. And I believe you do damage on it. And also, you have a build of one, right? Yes. Okay, so they're you're bigger than these guys. Yeah, call me Bill de-, de Blasio. We'll do it one at a time. Roll your fighting brawl. 45? Uh, that's a pass. Yeah. He fails. Uh, you can roll your uh, hand-to-hand damage against him. Okay. Oh, damage bonus is 1d4. Yeah, 1d3 plus 1. Oh, so there is a three-sided dice. No, no, you roll the d6 and divide it by 2. Okay. Rounding up. All right, it's a 3. Okay, so that's So rounding two. up, it's 2. And then roll your damage bonus. Okay, I got a 8. Uh, you managed to knock that guy out. The next guy comes at you. All right, get a go. Brawl again. All right. Fucking working goldenly. All right, 45. Yeah. He's a fail. Damn, dude. Am I am I Donald Trump? Because I'm Mr. 45. I got a five. So rounding up a three. D4. I have a six. What, wait, what is your damage bonus? One D4? Yes. Okay, yeah. So then you roll a D4. Yeah, and the, I got a six on the D4. You can't get a six on a D4. Look at this. One plus two plus no, three. No, 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 no. You, it's the number on top. Oh, okay. It's a one. One. Okay, so the total is four. All right. Well, dude... I don't go to school for math or dice. Okay. Uh, the last guy now <laughs> went to school. <laughs> he added them up. You, he literally told me run that shit no, back. No, 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 run no. that shit back. He told you me they have to add it up. Totals from them. Whatever. Well, We're I'm doing trying good. to win by adding all the number I get. All the numbers I get on one side of the D4. I'm sorry that I'm literally the only one who understands the meta of lying to the dungeon master. Okay, okay, Felix. Felix, roll your, uh, the last guy now, roll your brawl, assuming you're fighting back. Alright, I have a 61. Again, amazingly, he failed and you passed. What a bitch, I knew he'd fuck up. Roll the damage, this time uh, doing the D4. Alright, so I got a 1, and then the D4 is 3. Okay, so 4 total. Yeah. You're grappled by one guy, so it's an automatic here. The other guy knocks you out. Oh, well. Uh, we'll go to the top in the next Damn. combat round. Felix, you're not. I, I love, I love, by the way, I, there's nothing I love more than engaging physically in this game. I feel so much control over my, my choices. I feel so much autonomy. It's fantastic. Well, I think this would basically play out, like, basically how it would in real life. And that, like, you and I would get knocked out and Felix would save us That's with his physical very, prowess. Very accurate, Dude, you're yeah. so fucking lucky I'm a podcaster who never experiences any physical complication anymore else. I would fuck you up. No caparino. Felix, there's four guys now uh, uh, still fighting. You have the first move on this action round. I think it's done time. You're shooting at point black range, but it is dark and they're wearing flags, so I'll say that's a that's a standard roll. So roll your uh, gun. 73, but I'm still 80. That's a pass. Roll damage on the handgun. Oh, a 9, 9, 9, 9. Oh, you got a 9. Okay, well, yeah. you kill a man. Rip. I knew I could do that. Okay, 
Same That's thing. actually not the first time I've done that. I was in the war, by the way. Three guys are trying to grapple you now. Uh, I don't feel... I don't love my chances rolling three more times on Brawl, but I do uh, like my chances. Let's just chance. see what happens. All right. All right. Talk me into it. All right. If I lose, I get a do-over. First one, gets an, first one gets an extreme pass. Those are rules. So I don't think you can actually win on this one. I knew I should have used my fucking gun. You can't really gun against a uh, brawl, but whatever. Yeah, you can. It happens all the time. <laughs> then you see John Wick. Just, yeah, no, he he does that literally. Just like, well, just one. roll it out. Just roll it out. Four. Uh, zero, zero, four? Yeah. That's actually a victory for you. I got I'm the math so wrong. fucking good uh, 18, 18 is not an extreme pass here, so you get to do damage again. Yeah, go back to the fucking lobby. You're rolling like fire, and I'm rolling terribly. I'm one of the best rollers there is. Three. Uh, yeah, that guy is, uh, he's looking real bad, and he also doubles over. Enjoy the loading screen. Uh, again, two more guys. All right. Uh, pretend I'm, pretend I'm making the fucking late cap work on Twitter. I'm co-tweeting you, and I'm saying normal world, because that's how you're feeling with your fucking normal pass. Suck my dick. I'm the best at rolling. Let's go. 54. Not good enough. That's a tie. Uh, All right. Uh, coming he- back stronger next year. <laughs> yeah. The guy also managed to incapacitate you. He's doing these... These these moves that are uh, they're foreign in some way they're they're like martial arts that the they're clearly not the Caucasian Anglo-Saxon Anglo-Saxon style of fighting which is to get drunk and eat ten loaves of bread oh my god and then just like punch each other this guy is from the Far East Poland <laughs> Polish martial arts where they chop uh, screen doors in half. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you did. They uh, do amazing acrobatic demonstrations where they all take turns screwing in a light bulb. <laughs> like Wushu <laughs> with a giant light bulb. I gotta say, I wasn't expecting that. That was pretty good, Felix. Great run. Yeah, well, I'm literally the fuck one of the best gamers. The last thing you see is his partner just strike you out. K.O. Is curious Chantus and her clandestine Casanova. Can the Cabal boys disentangle themselves from this simmering menage a mystery? Or will they become one with a polycule of horror in the Black Rock Desert? Learn the answers to these burning questions and more on next week's thrilling conclusion to Musks of Nilarathadep. <laughs>